Hey, it's Charlie the Bar. He built my Daniel. He's full of pop because of holes with various pieces of media we missed the first time around. This time, Bill picked one of his freebies. This is UHF with Weird Al. Well, since we just passed the 200th episode marker of the podcast, and we decided that we were allowing ourselves to occasionally switch up the formula by going out, out of our way to talk about things we have seen before but we think are underrated or underappreciated or something that like I think we, you and I, could uniquely kind of bring a fresh perspective to. Um, and since you decided to do th- that last week with... What the hell did we talk... Oh, it was Ricky O, the story of Ricky last week. Yeah, you can't forget... Th- you can't forget that. Yeah. <laughs> a week ago feels like a million years already. Um, yeah. and I was like... Oh, okay, I decided to, to do the same thing with my next pick. And do UHF. And, uh, to do UHF, uh, mostly just because the 30th anniversary just, uh, passed with, so I've got the movie on the brain. And it's already kind of betraying the formula, <laughs> the standards I said of, like, it should be something that's underrated and stuff. Because I think, I saw UHF in theaters. I saw it, like, during a one, like, it's opening weekend, during, like, the two weeks it was actually in theaters. And so I've always assumed this movie was way more underrated than it was. But I guess it has become a legitimate cult classic since then. And mm-hmm. so, even though it's my mind's eye, I still don't think anyone knows or cares about this movie. I guess there is more of a fan base for. I mean, of course, Weird, Weird Al just has its own built-in fan base. But beyond that, I think this movie yeah. actually has kind of. I'm surprised at the uh, number of quote-unquote normal people <laughs> I've seen who have seen this movie, and even if they don't love it to death, they know it well enough. They're like, oh yeah, that movie with the thing where the, he has the, where else the, has the, the TV station. I'm like, yeah, that was a good movie. Um, yeah, it's not a great movie, but... <laughs> well, <laughs> it's an entertaining movie, let's put it that way. Um, yeah? Yeah, what are you... So you you said you, you've only seen half of this movie before? Yeah, because... Well, I thought I saw half of it, but it turns out I only made it like 20 minutes in. <laughs> It just uh, felt like half. So is this is going to be a thing where I have dissenting opinions about this movie? Probably the most extreme we've ever had. Really? Because, like, though, that's the thing. This this movie, like I said, is not a good well, movie. We, it's a good... We talked about it before, yeah. and I've said before, it, it is definitely a time and place movie. Kinda. You needed to be a certain age bracket yeah. when this came out and you needed to see it close to when it came well, out if not when it came not, out could you just to say that about most weird al things in general because weird Al's uh, a, like, i don't know I, like and the funny thing is i love uhf this is one of the weird things because like i as much as i i went to go see uhf on a lark because i liked weird, weird al enough uh, as a kid just from seeing all his music videos and, and stuff like that as a kid but i was never like a weird al fan specifically I felt like I got yeah. all the Weird Al nutrients and vitamins that I needed to live just through osmosis, through pop culture. To without, live! Without, without having to specifically seek him out, so I never, like, owned a Weird Al album or anything like that. But... I... So, you, you, you've you never been a Weird Al fan or anything either? Um, I like his. I don't... Because you like comedy it's, stuff. No, it's not no, like you're well, versed in this yeah, kind yeah, of yeah, thing. Yeah, so I I I enjoy, I enjoy Weird Al. I'm not necessarily a fan of his parody songs. I like his originals and his polkas better. <laughs> Which that's than a his, funny take to have because most you know, his parody most, songs. But a lot of people don't even know he does original songs. They just assume that everything he does is just parody. Um, but yeah, because yeah, what Weird Al actually grew up, he was the son of an actual famous polka guy 
was like Larry Yankovic or something like that. And uh, so he came by his knowledge of the accordion honestly, because he grew up as, yeah, this, like, I guess what was the world's famous, most famous accordionist or something like that, but, um, so what's your, so what's your favorite Weird Al material? Do you have a specific original song or anything of his that you like? No, I just like all his polka mel- med- melodies, yeah. his mixes. See, that's, that I, I know so little about I like, his, really like his, his every everything you know is wrong, which is his sound alike to They Might Be Giants. Oh, really? He did that? Mm-hmm. That's Yeah, he did do that. Well, that's funny, not do, like, a specific parody of a song, but do a sound-alike album, which that's kind of... It wasn't a whole album, it was just the song. Oh, yeah, but yeah, I mean, you could easily parody, like, a band. Yeah. That's funny to do it, like, like a, like a like a tonal parody, and not just a specific parody of a specific song, but, like, I'm gonna make fun of, like, this band's sound, which you could easily do with They Might Be Giants. Um, yeah. And, which is funny, because They Might Be Giants is probably one of the few bands that would actually get a kick out of that, but... Uh, but yeah, Weird Al, so how did you end up seeing part of this before? Uh, pro- it was years ago, but I think I had I knew you at the time. Oh yeah, I was like Bill's referencing this. I see it on Netflix all the time. It's recommended for me. I guess I'll watch it and then. Oh, God. Oopsie doodles. How far did you get? Like, did did he even get to the to the to the t- the TV station? Yeah, I think I got a, I I got about to the dinner. For a movie that, that only is like up. 80 minutes long, <laughs> this movie is kind of like slowly paced. Um, it's very slowly paced. Also, some people might know it uh, under its alternative title, That's the Joke. <laughs> That's what I kind of appreciate because about this it, whole, it's so This funny. whole movie is just Rainier Wilcastle standing in front of <laughs> a wall saying, joke. That's the joke. Which is kind what, what I kind of appreciate about I as a kid I went to the, I would any excuse go to the movies which meant I saw a lot of shitty goddamn comedies in the in the movies theaters and I'm not talking about like Adam Sandler quality shit I'm talking about stuff that's even older than that I saw like Cool World Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead I saw a lot of shitty fucking movies in the movie theater because any excuse to get out of the heat go to the movies have a good time and so UHF at least knew it was stupid enough that like it was self-aware enough that it was like, okay, at least this movie's terrible, but it knows it's terrible, but it's having a good time with it. And again, yeah. you know, you, it's a Weird Al movie, so you kind of know exactly what you're kind of in for, too, because it's like he has a very specific kind of, like, that's the joke kind of sense of humor. Um, which I guess that's kind of like the whole point of his parodies, too, because it's just like, I'm just going to have this one take on a parody and just drive it into the ground, like, the Flintstones, instead of uh, fucking <laughs> Red Hot Chili Peppers, it's just... Although he does it so cleverly, though, because, like, he made a whole song about the yeah, Flintstones, no, his, and that song is fucking good. fantastic. I can listen oh. to Weird Al parodies, but if you go onto, like, YouTube and search parodies parodies of songs, yeah. it's always awful. I think Weird Al's the only person who does it well. It also doesn't help that a lot of Weird Al fans are kind of schmucks, too. I've known a lot of people really... Take that, Leland. <laughs> no, Leland's one of the few good ones. I've known oh, so many He's one people. of the good ones, huh, Bill? <laughs> I've seen so many other. I know exactly. I've seen, I've seen so many Weird Al fans who are like just. They're like Martin Prince or something like that, where you just want to give them a wedgie because they're so like, eh, Weird Al, he's my favorite. Uh, <laughs> it's just. And that's, I guess, that maybe that's another reason why I never got into Weird Boy, Al. Boy, I thought I was going to be the one that made enemies on this episode. Uh, I guess we can never pass this, this episode on to any actual Weird Al fans because now I'm just shit talking them all with blanket <laughs> statements like that. But, 
I, I, it was funny because as a kid, I was a fat nerd, so of course I, you know, I got beat up a lot and stuff like that. But like, <laughs> one of the things that I t could take a quiet solace in as a kid was like, at least I'm not a Weird Al fan because they always seem to be on a rung, <laughs> on a rung below me on the bully totem pole. Were they the furries of the nerd Kinda, culture? Kind of, because they were always like in any kind of group the Weird Al fans because they'd be sitting there like even more nerdy and acne uh, acne filled and fucked up than I am. They were always the first, like if like yeah if if I saw a Weird Al fan getting beat up at least I that like I was like okay that's the bully in the group I know to stay away from that guy I know to always stay away from that kid because he's just gonna get me beat up if I try to talk about Weird Al with him. So you like, want to talk about Weird Al? Yeah, Weird Al fans were the canary in the coal mine in in, in this schoolyard pecking order. Uh, but, oh god, so, yeah, UHF, so, yeah, I did see so this movie you, on a whim, it was good, and, yeah. Is, do you love this movie, or is it just kind of like a nostalgia you know bomb I, for you? I don't you? think I necessarily love this movie, I think I appreciate this movie. Just for existing, just for the net tenacity of existing. Well, you know what, actually, I think in retrospect, too, uh, I liked this movie well enough as a kid, I, I thought it was funny, and, you know, when I came... Like, when summer ended and went back to school, I was like, when everyone was talking about the shit they did over the summer, I was like, man, did you see that Weird Al movie? That was actually, that looks stupid as shit, but that was fucking hilarious, because it's intentionally stupid. But I think, but I but I didn't think about it that much. But I think in retrospect now, with the 30 years later, literally 30 years later, because, like, yeah, the 30th anniversary of its release was just, like, two weeks ago as we're recording this, I yeah. it's much more, it's a much more interesting relic. Because it feels like just even a couple years after this, this is this was released in 1989, and which is just a couple years before like the whole CG revolution and movie blockbusters, where all big blockbuster movies became like Terminator 2 and uh, Jurassic Park became these big CG driven uh, blockbuster tent poles, and it feels like these kind of shitty B movie comedies that, like I said, I'd seen so much as a kid in the theaters. This is one of the last ones I remember seeing in the theater. And also just a movie about a UHF station that is such such an relic of its time that even trying to explain what this movie is about to like a kid who's, who was born since after like 2000 would be completely mystifying because it's comedy about an over-the-air broadcast TV station, which even by itself yeah. is kind of a relic. But the fa very specific thing, it's about like a UHF station was trying to explain to kids that like oh UHF was actually kind of like this weird offshoot thing that wasn't even like mainstream TV it was almost like pirate TV a little bit well not really pirate TV but um did you did you grow up watching any UHF uh, television as a kid oh yeah okay. channel 49 was big out here that's <sighs> yeah it was Fox yeah in Pittsburgh it, it was our Fox affiliate what what eventually became the Fox affiliate uh, they showed uh it was WPGH channel 53 and WPTT Channel 22. Channel 22 was the cheapy UHF. That was the closest thing to Weird Al's. <laughs> it's the closest thing to U62 in real life that I ever saw because they would just show like Mama's Family nonstop and like the fucking Gomer Pyle and like the really old Beverly Hillbillies. It was like Mr. Ed. It was like that caliber of like even mm -hmm. by the 80s that shit was kind of old and musty. Channel 53 was more hip. They, they That's the one that, that was the UHF station that showed like He-Man and G.I. Joe and Transformers and stuff like that. So at least the cartoons were kind of better. And they tend to show a lot of the Planet of the Apes movies, which I always appreciated as a kid. But yeah, trying to even explain to kids like the divide between like normal television and UHF st uh, t uh, television, that'd be kind of weird. But the kind of ironic but. thing is because this movie is such a sketch movie about like just a handful of idiots kind of putting on their own show. I think it's kind of like it predicts YouTube a little bit 
Because, like, yeah. this, the, this, uh, the popularity of the station overnight uh, with a bunch of dumb character-driven self-aware uh, skits done on a shoestring budget, this is kind of like the angry video nerd, video game nerd, nostalgia critic, a little bit like that kind of thing, which is which is popular now. So it's kind of, this movie's kind of like got one foot in the ancient past and also kind of like predicts the future of what kind of entertainment the early 21st century would be. Because mm-hmm. um, Stanley, Sp- Stanley Spadowski would be a huge YouTube channel right now. Would it? If you had Michael Richards doing that exact character all the time, that would be mm. an amazing... You know, I would watch it. Let's put it... Th- yeah. I shouldn't just assume that so just So you because- find him entertaining. <laughs> it's fucking the best! It's a little sour now knowing that fucking Michael Richards is a fucking racist piece of shit. Well, that's the thing. If you saw this when you... I was well, I was 14 years old when I saw this movie in theaters in 1989. And so that... Yeah. Ha- again, you're t- like you're saying it's a time and place movie. That's a big part of it. But yeah. <laughs> that might be the biggest part of it. Uh, so did you take notes for this? Yeah, I tried not to, but... <laughs> a list of fuck this part of the movie, fuck that part of the movie? <laughs> no, I, I didn't hate it. It, it was just... It, it, drug and the jokes a lot of the jokes i'd say 98 percent of them fall flat you know, um, have you ever heard about the commentary and, for but this? i i don't begrudge anybody for liking it yeah I'm not that's say an important you're, thing. You're, you're, you 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 have bad taste because i mean if you was or you're like i'm 40 i saw it for the first time and i loved it yeah. i might question you but <laughs> if you grew up if you're with 14 it, yeah there's exactly, yeah. There's no, there's no holding it. Well, that's most you. of the love for this. Because if I, yeah. if I had grown up with it, I'm sure I would have loved it too. It, nine times out of ten, if you hear anyone talk about this movie, because no one saw it in theaters. Like I was like one of the three people paid to see this in the theater. Uh, nine times out of ten, the people who love this found this, uh, found it on home video in the '90s, and they grew up watching it at like sleepovers and stuff like that. So yeah, it totally yeah. is. Mo- vast majority of the fans of this movie are only fans because they saw it when they were a kid. And which yes. uh, that's 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 as, as valid a reason to love anything as anything else, but <laughs> that is some context, much needed context. Yeah. So if, yeah, you're if you're like uh, almost forty years old watching it for the first time in 2019, that's gonna be a little bit of a goddamn different experience. Which, like I said, which is funny because it's not like you totally begrudge. I mean, it's not like you dislike Weird Al stuff in general, but this movie is such a very specific sh- dipshit <laughs> tone. I can totally understand anyone not. I I um, think part of my I don't know if problem is really the issue or word I want to use, but um. But yeah, I know the, what you're saying. Yeah. Part of part of the thing about it that I think doesn't really work for me is um after watching all of like the uh, Leslie Lee Nielsen stuff and listening to people talk about that kind of comedy, mm-hmm. they're like, no, you have to play it straight, and that's what makes it funny. You can't you can't wink and make it into a joke. And Weird Al is playing this so broad and. Screaming and and I... being a maniac, I think his char- if his character had played it straight, I think that would have been funnier yeah. to me. But um, yeah, I, yeah, that's that's probably hilarious to a fourteen year old. Well, that, that that's the thing because you really the closest thing to a straight man you have in this movie. I guess Bob, his best friend, is kind of the straight man, but he's such kind of like a non-entity in the movie. That I don't know. He's also he also does kind of get into things. I guess the most straight manish part. In the movie is when Bob is Bobbo the Clown, which I didn't realize until the screening that is actually his friend being Bobbo the Clown who gets hit in the face yeah. with a frying pan. And I guess, uh, what's her face? Crazy lady. Um, girlfriend. Uh, mm. not Trisha Helfer. What's the actress's name? 
Oh, she's in Saturday Night Live. Fucking, she talks yeah. like this. Not, 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 yeah. not the nanny, but the other funny sounding lady in the movie. Yeah. Uh, and but she's barely in the movie too. So the movie, yeah, the, the, there is no real straight man in the movie who is like an actual strong presence. In the movie, everyone's just kind of a nutcase in this movie, which I could see that being overwhelming for a lot of people, especially fucking Weird Al. The beginning in this movie, he's constantly screaming, especially when yeah. he's, he's at the burger joint. He's screaming. He gets home. He's screaming about how his girlfriend just dumped him and he's like not just i'm just not saying that metaphorically he's screaming at the top of his lungs like banging yes. his heads on stuff what asking people mm -hmm. to kill him and again any kind of self-respecting adult watching this movie who just wants to have a quiet evening watching a film and like you've got weird al just banging his head on a wall screaming at the top of his lungs i could see mm -hmm. why you'd be like oh my god the fuck is who <laughs> what fucking five-year-old was this movie made for i could totally understand that but again as a 14 year old in a movie theater in 1989 i was like oh, this yeah i'm not i'm not saying it's wrong i'm just saying why it probably didn't work for me yeah and well if it's any consolation this movie got totally butchered at the box office because it's it was the summer of 1989 and so every movie that wasn't the indiana jones and the last crusade just, just got utterly decimated by batman and it's well, also, I read that Orion ran out of money, so they weren't able to, like, advertise it at all. Exactly, and actually, like, I guess some people credit UHF specifically with being one of the reasons why Orion went out of business when it did. It sounds like Orion was already kind of, like, kind of flushing the toilet as it was, or... But, like, yeah, this movie... I, I don't think they lost their shirt, but I think the movie just barely made back what they spent on it, and they were hoping for a lot more, especially because this is kind of, like, the height of Weird Al's popularity in the mainstream, too. And for it, to, and yeah. it, but it is one of those things where, like, if Batman had not come out, it would have undoubtedly at least done a little bit better. But yeah, the summer of 1989, you had all these other movies come out, like Ghostbusters 2 and uh, Star Trek 5, and all these other movies that instead of people going to see that stuff, they just decided to go see Batman for the fifth time. And so, yeah, Orion Pictures, which they actually they're one of my favorite film distributors from the 80s because they put out everything from Robocop to. Uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, but they also put out a lot of fucking garbage, kind of like UHF, and they paid the price, and yeah, this is one of the last things they ever produced, and and uh, one last thing before we actually start talking about the movie proper, uh, the commentary for this movie, uh, I think it's only available on the DVD, I don't even know if, know if uh, UHF is out on Blu-ray, but I had to dig up my... Uh, DVD of this movie to listen to the commentary, and that actually is a really good commentary. It's Weird Al and his manager slash director of the film, was it Jay Levy? Uh, you know, they just do their commentary thing, but Weird Al actually has an encyclopedic knowledge. He's, he, he's got the names of everyone who worked or starred in the film on hand. The addresses of all the locations and just really blow-by-blow -blow stuff. It's really, it's, it's a legitimately fascinating read. And he does criticize the whole movie while he's talking about it. Like, the beginning with the Indiana Jones spoof, where, like, Indiana Jones, like, there's the bit with all the stop signs and stuff like that. He's like, mm -hmm. oh, this is great, that's a funny joke. We can cut this now. Okay, the joke's going on too long. Oh, no, this joke's gonna keep on going for five more minutes. Oh, my God, what have <laughs> we done? So, if it's any consolation, yeah, even like, Weird Al uh, seems see. to let's think see. this movie's kind of poorly put together. I think my fourth note is, boy, we really get to watch him walk slowly, huh? <laughs> That's exactly weird. I was just, yeah, so, uh, yeah, it's so, yeah, even when the guy who made the movie is like, well, yeah, this is kind of ham-fisted joke, I guess we're just going to linger on this for five minutes. Oh, mm -hmm. God, so, yeah, fucking UHF. I, like, I like, so it starts with the Indi Indiana Jones parody, mm -hmm. and I did appreciate 
the cow sound effect in the randomly in the jungle, which I was like, did I just hear a cow? And I went back and I listened, and I was like, oh, that's kind of funny. That's... They put a, threw a cow in there, but then they throw a dog and a cat. Oh, and it and exactly. Kills it. Yeah, belaboring the joke. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if they had just done the one solitary cow, that would have been funny. <laughs> I only took like four notes for this whole movie. One of the few things I really, did I thought you were going to take a ton, like your Little Women. No, I mean I like this movie enough, but there's not a lot to say about it because it kind of just speaks for itself. I, the mm. first shot in the movie, though, because it's, you know, they're parodying Indiana Jones and the first shot in Indiana Jones, uh, or in the first shot of Raiders of the Lost Ark, uh, it's the Paramount logo that dissolves away into an actual mountain. They try to, mm -hmm. like, <laughs> they try to copy that with Weird Al is, in is, is it, it, obviously, they shot this in Southern California. They don't have really have mountains there. So it's like one of the shitty, like, Bronson Canyon little hills that's supposed to be, like, the Paramount Mountain, which I always thought was kind of funny, but... Um, yeah, that's that. Yeah, that's like the one of like three notes on the whole movie. Because I just watched it. Like, what are you going to yeah. like talk about? Like, oh, he whips the guy's arm off and duh, yeah. and there's a bowling ball that chases him. It's the Oscar. And yep. It's just the some a guy gets randomly run over by the train in a train in the jungle. I just, <laughs> that's I, that's hilarious because it's out of nowhere. And it's one of the few jokes yeah. that doesn't get blabbered. It just happens for no reason. Yeah. Mm hmm. Oh, and the music. Oh, boy, the music. <sighs> Weird Al's yeah. a musician. Uh, but the music in this You is... know what? I think this is one of the like few the, parts of the movie that actually has an original score. Because the rest of the movie is just scored by music and stuff. And it's mostly Weird Al music. But this is the one part... But parts... they didn't even try to ape in remotely <laughs> indie. It's it's funny because like, later on there's like Gandhi 2 is kind of a Shaft parody. And they... they, they uh, they do such a good job covering the Shaft theme that, that according to Weird Al, they almost got sued. But I wonder if that scared them on, uh, off enough that when they tried to do this parody of Indiana Jones, like the, uh, the, the the film guy was just like, let's not even try to make it sound like Indiana Jones. It's just going to be him on a keyboard going, do 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 That's it for like five minutes. It's terrible, which is a shame because the guy who did the score for this movie is the same guy who did the score for the original live-action Ninja Turtles movie, which actually does have a legitimately great score. So I blame mm -hmm. that more on Weird Al than I do the, the, the score guy. But yeah, and that's and that helps lead. Uh, <laughs> the shitty score helps uh, fucking make the opening of the movie just even more just kind of slow-paced and kind of farty. And it's all synth stuff, too, which never helps, too, because that always just makes yeah. it feel kind of cheaper and dinkier. But, yeah, well, it's, it, it, and it, you know, it's a, it's a parody you get the joke of in the first ten seconds. Well, don't worry, because that <laughs> slow pace will continue through the entirety of the film. <laughs> no, don't say that. It's a movie <laughs> so, with Billy Barney. How, can, how, how bad can it be? He's stealing an Oscar, which is an interesting choice. Yeah. And then, of course, the boulder chases him, yeah. and it chases him Actively all over the world. Actively chases him, yeah. Like, it's, you know, it's... Take corners and stuff, and it, it flattens him. He's a pancake, and it was all a daydream at his burger job. You He's, know what? I she's... forgot there's as many, like, as many of the things in this movie are justified by just being a daydream, which that's just the hallmark of shitty writing right there. And, um, he's terrible at his job. Yeah. His, his friend Bob is there, and they, he and George is Weird Al's character. And he insults Big Edna, who I guess is their boss, and she fires George and Bob. Why'd she fire Bob? Yeah, Bob, Bob didn't, didn't do anything. nothing. And she literally throws them out of the burger joint, and they do the, like they turn into dummies, and they kind of fly across the parking lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so they walk past the park in his tiny little car. I do later. like the car. It never gives it's not no a bad one ever car. brings any attention to it in the film, but it's a tiny little fucking like comedy car. Mm-hmm. They walk past the martial arts. Um, 
and uh, oh, what's his name? Getty uh, Watatana. Wa oh god, what the fuck is it? It's Getty Watanabe. Yeah. Yeah, he Who? leads out, and it's beginner's class, and he shouts stupid a bunch. Famous race trader Genny Watanabe, who... <laughs> so I heard an interesting... I, I forget where I heard, just heard this from, but somebody was talking about that actor, specifically Genny Watanabe, about how they kind of equated him to... Was it Hattie McDaniel, who played the kind of mammy cook in... Uh, Gone with the Wind, where she got a lot of shit for, you know, because she was playing into a racial stereotype in that movie. And her mm -hmm. quote from that was like, I'd rather play a maid rather than be a maid. And mm. somebody was equating that to, like, uh, you would assume that Getty Watanabe, that's probably the only thing that lets him sleep at night, because he was pretty much the Asian stereotype in every movie in the 80s. And he's, li and he's also, living that up there right here. if he didn't do it, if he didn't do it, Mickey Rooney was just in the <laughs> right behind well, him in line, just licking truthful. his lips and rubbing his hands together. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if, just because if he had walked away from this role, it's not like they wouldn't have done this role. They would have just found someone else to be like, oh, but yeah. Yeah, it's not like they got an actual uh, Indian guy or whatever for Gandhi. I guess that's the director, <laughs> as, yeah. as the, which and I didn't he realize. Can, he cannot do the accent correct at all. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's kind of far for the court. It's, it's a Weird Al movie, what would expect. But yeah, uh, I guess there's a deleted scene which is uh, which uh, points out that Cooney is supposed to be uh, Weird Al's ba or landlord. Uh, but instead, mm. in the finished film, he's just like he just has a karate studio right next door to uh, George's apartment. So in the next scene, there's like yeah. fists like punching through the walls and stuff like that. And and, and the, the other thing I knew about this was Twinkie Wiener Sandwich. Yeah, All which right? Leland, <laughs> our buddy Leland loves to quote, Twinkie Wiener Sandwich, which is fucking disgusting, because, like, when he's eating it, he's dipping in a cup of coffee. No, in a cup of milk, which is even more just like, oh, God, it's disgusting. Uh, I guess the, I guess that's something you could make. Because uh, it's just uh, childish. It's just TV the stupid food. It's and yeah. I, actually I do love their apartment where there's like just like animal crackers bolted to the walls and there's a big painting of Alfred E. Newman, which I guess yeah, that's for somebody who gets fired all the time. He's got a bunch of stuff in his apartment that is not cheap. Uh, I guess he just he, I guess he never gets fired before he collects that first paycheck. I guess. Yeah. yeah. And they live right next to the martial arts studio, and the joke is there's sounds and banging against the wall. And is that when he needs to figure out the time to see if he's late for his date with Crazy Lady from Saturday Night Live, a fist comes punching through the wall with a wrist with a wristwatch, and he's like, Oh my god, it's 7.30, I'm late for my date. Yeah, you... Hey, god, take what off is your this jewel lady's name? Take like, off your... Okay, okay, take off look. your jewelry... It's it's uh, Victoria Cass. Jackson. Victoria Jackson, yeah. Which I guess since then she's gone on to become a crazy, super conservative, uh, talking point lady. Like I guess she shows up on Bill Maher a whole bunch these days as kind of like his default like conservative lady. Which why would you? T she was on, she was a <laughs> shitty Saturday Night Live comedian for like three years. How is she still like any? That, that shows you how fucking lacking the GOP is any kind of in any kind of like stardom when Victoria Jackson can still be considered any kind of a public figure worth listening to. Because uh, like even her whole, whole comedy shtick was like, I talk like this. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't have any comedic chops, really. Um, but yeah, so she's yeah, like kind of what I said earlier. She's kind of like, the closest thing to an actual straight man this movie all have, really has just because she's the girlfriend, yeah. I guess. Yep, her name's Terry. A Terry, that's what it is. Yep, and she's not super stoked about him getting fired again. Mm -hmm. But at least he has mashed potatoes, which he can use to reference Close Encounters. Yeah, that's the joke. That's the joke, yeah. 
Uh, and I, that's something that bothers me is uh, just a reference of a, another thing that exists. Yeah, it's not a joke. It's a, it's a Family Guy reference where it's just a reference, but so there's no joke to it. It's just there's no the joke to it. Yeah, he just says this means something, and then that's done. Because it's not like he's it's not like he's sculpting a miniature television station or anything like that. He's just sculpting the same sculpture that uh, fucking Roy Neary and fucking uh, Close Encounters made, and that's it. Yeah, there's no it's 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 not like doubling as a joke for something else. It's just no. yeah, reference mashed potatoes. So yeah. And then I guess he's at his aunt and uncle's house. Are you still wearing his fast food shirt? Yeah. Did they that, articulate man? at the beginning that's his aunt and uncle? Because for a while I couldn't remember if that's supposed to be his parents. Although a little bit later he does mention like that's like Uncle Walter or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And his aunt pinches his face, stretch out his cheek. Yeah, I remember that from the trailers for this movie. They, that got a lot of play, his stretchy cheek. Mm, his uncle's in another room playing poker. He wins. He gets a call from Dr. Claw. And... <laughs> Did they know of Dr. Claw or they just have was it just a happy accident that you essentially just recreated that character for this movie? I yeah, it's know. Big he Louie, says, I guess he's a gangster. Yeah, he says he won at the track. All his horses won, so he's and that scene's over. Yeah. And he also in his poker game won channel sixty two, it's a UHF station. Do they say at any point that it's in another state or anything? No, why? Well, because I assume Big Louie this... goes on vacation because it is where well, no, they or not they Big Louie Uncle, yeah. It seems like they all live in this town, but then his uncle needs to fly there to sign the papers yeah. at the end. Also, I guess his uncle's already kind of rich because like they're having this party in like what seems to be like a mansion or something like that. And yeah. yeah. Oh, and then fucking weird. I'll throw a dog in the punch bowl, which is just <laughs> that's just a thing yeah. that happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess originally and there was supposed to be a thing where, like, the dog was supposed to do a dance and then jump into the punch bowl, but they couldn't get that to, to, to do that stunt, so it's just, he just throws in the punch bowl, and that's... <laughs> it's a charming. wet dog! That's the joke! Mm-hmm. So they can't find somebody who can manage that UHF station, so that gives the ant an idea. And, uh, George is gonna run it now. And nothing ever went wrong again. Yeah, and that's just actually watching this movie for the first time in a long time, you realize how, well, I realize how just kind of like the ramshackle the plotting in this movie is where it's just, oh, he, Weird Al becomes the station manager just because his uncle just happens to win a TV station five minutes right before this part of the movie. And then suddenly, oh, the TV station is threatened later just because the dude just happens to rack up a whole bunch of gambling debts out of the blue and just like... Yeah, there's not the way this movie's plotted. It's not very organic. It's just very episodic. And hey, granted, it's a Weird Al movie. It's just an excuse for a bunch of skits and stuff like that. You're not expecting fantastic character development or like clever plotting, but it is pretty, pretty ramshackle. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, they go there. It's a dump. You know what the best thing is though? The front door to UHF. The, the door doorknob is in the middle of the door, which I think is fantastic. Why are more doors like that? Because that's where the that's where you think the door handle would go. That's what you think. Okay, now I need your opinion on the most important character in the whole movie. What do you think okay. about the bum? It's um the bum. This is one thing. <laughs> melted Mama Fratelli. <laughs> the bum is one of my favorite movie characters of all time. My sister and I, we never agreed on much as a kid, but my sister loved the bum. And we, mm -hmm. me and my sister would just randomly, like, in the middle of, like, fucking Thanksgiving dinner, be like, You got any change, mister? 
<laughs> got any change? And the joke here at the beginning, which is funny because it never gets repeated, but the joke here is he asks Weird Al for change, and Weird mm -hmm. Al gives him change, but then he gives him a dollar, so he's not asking for a handout, he just needs change for a dollar. But I guess yeah. later on in the movie, he is just actually asking for handouts. That which... is, yeah, that's probably the one of the like two best jokes in the movie. Yeah. Also, I guess that guy is the son of Pinto Colvig, who was the original voice for Goofy and Pluto in the Disney cartoons. Mm. Yeah, so, just throwing that out there. Uh, yeah, he's fine. Yeah. Uh, he's got that great rubber which... face. I love that face, Mr. Yeah. Mr. He looks tired. <laughs> he does. And speaking of slow and tired... Yeah, there's inside, Mr. Ed is playing on the TV, and there's beakers and stuff bubbling and brewing, and it's a science lab. Yeah. And, uh, what is this guy's name? Philo? Yeah, Philo, because it's supposed down. to be a reference Philo? to Philo Farnsworth, the guy who, who is largely credited with the guy, uh, he, as, as being the guy who cre invented television. Hmm. Um, he's doing science shit. And he makes George hold something, and then those things zap him with electricity and makes his hair stand Again, up. for no reason, he just, essentially just cause so they could have this crazy shot of his hair sticking up for the movie trailer. Because it's not a yeah. joke, There's, it's not like there's an, he accidentally electrocutes himself. The guy just asks him to hold it, then he zaps him and that's it. Um, this is one bit of, this is actually something I saw pop up on Twitter just recently. Joel Hodgson threw a little bit of a Twitter fit, because I guess one of the most, uh, most, uh, parroted bits of trivia about this movie is supposedly Joel Hodgson had tried out for the role of this guy, Philo, uh, but for some reason they gave the role to this guy instead of Joel Hodgson. And mm -hmm. just recently on Twitter someone had asked him about that, and I saw Joel was like, no, that's not true. I think the idea was like the um, Weird Al had originally written the role with Joel Hodgson and Mike because they knew each other. But Joel had just started working on MST3K so he couldn't tear himself away from Minnesota to come down to Oklahoma where they filmed the movie. And so they just got this other guy. But it's not like he auditioned or anything like that. It was just a thing that just didn't work out. But yeah, it was just a, something I saw on Twitter where like, weird, uh, yeah, Joel Hodgson was like, no, stop it. No, it's okay. I didn't audition. It's just something that didn't work out. I never really got that far. But you can totally see how that character being all kind of slow and, hey, how you doing? That would have been a perfect, like, Joel Hodgson role. It kind of kills me. Also, even the set kind of looks like almost like Deep 13 a little bit because it's all beakers and lab equipment stuff. But. Yeah, mm -hmm. that would have been good, but whatever. Yep, so, um... That, that scene ends, and the next day, <laughs> that, now... That's the, the, the UHF, and that scene ends. <laughs> the next day, his friend Bob and him show up in suits, and... Which is weird, there. you have two scenes in a row of Weird Al just visiting the station. Why they just didn't make this one long extended scene, I have no idea. Because he's there at night and then he comes back the next day and so it's two you randomly need two scenes of him like coming into the building right after each other. It makes no sense, but Yeah. Fran Drescher's the receptionist. She's actually good uh, in this movie. She's actually I yeah, think she's I'm, legitimately one of the few legitimately good parts and not just like, oh it's funny because she's 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 doofy, but what do you not like her in? Um, I don't dislike her. It's just she's now she's known for the nanny and stuff like that. And she's still no like I remember as a kid thinking she was actually one of the legitimately good parts. And like her character's not like a joke. In fact, actually, yeah, you just made it sound. You sound, said she's actually good in this. Well, so you know I'm what assuming. I mean. Well, like everyone else has got, got like, kind of like a chuckle fuck existence, a reason for existing in this movie. She's the only one of the characters. She's not a straight man, but she's also I guess the most emotional thing in this movie is actually oh, Noodles Macintosh. When he falls down and he hurts his elbow, 
And I guess just because she's a part of that scene, and that's like the most emotionally poignant part of the movie, I, I, I kind of think she's like, oh, she actually had to act for that moment, because like, he's all Noodles Macintosh, is, is, he's so sad, and she has to look, and she's like legitimately angry and stuff like that. It's like the one legitimate bit of acting someone has to do in this movie. But, uh, yeah. What? Huh. I'm, I was, <laughs> I've I overthought was, this movie too much. I was looking up people on IMDb and uh, the guy who plays um, uh, 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 Richard Fletcher yeah son that's one of the is... few bits of trivia I had about this movie you're gonna spoil it John oh sorry you <laughs> no. want to say it yeah, no go <laughs> ahead he's Jumby the genie from Pee Wee's Playhouse which that blew my fucking mind cause it's funny cause the way uh, he plays Jambi, I always assumed, was supposed to be kind of a gay character because he's such kind of a flamer when he's in that little box. He's always like, hello, Pee-wee. And the, the fucking son in UHF is a little bit like, he's a little saucy, too. And I was like, I don't know if the, the actual actor is gay or anything like that. But it was funny that I was like, oh, shit. So maybe, like, I totally, like, there's a little bit of a kind of a, a, a little attitude to that character, which I thought was like, okay, that totally makes sense. And fucking Jambi, again, one of the best pop culture characters ever to come out of the 80s. Uh, which is funny, because, like, the, the, the son, Richard Fletcher, of this movie, doesn't make too much of an impression, although he tells one really funny joke later on in the movie. Doesn't tell a joke, but he has a great reaction to something we'll get to. But, mm. Jombie! Jombie's in this movie! How bad can this mm. movie be when Jombie's in it? Well... <laughs> Shut up, I hate you. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah. So there's an ad for car salesman, Cra Crazy Ernie. He's got enough cars to choke a camel. Also, if nobody buys any cars in the next half hour, he's going to club those baby seal. Yeah. Which Riel points out, it's not actually a baby seal. It's just a full-grown circus seal. So according yeah. to him, that ruins the joke. And I'm like, that's not really a joke to begin with. Also, that joke's kind of ripping off. Uh, it's ripping off the National Lampoons. Do you ever see the magazine? Yeah, uh, buy this like, magazine or we'll kill this dog. dog. So that's... Yeah, they can't claim too much about how, yeah, they, they yeah. Anyway. Yeah, so George wants more live shows, too many reruns on, on the station right now. And uh, Pam, who's the receptionist for Fran Drescher, she uh, grumps that they got a package for R.J. Fletcher, who runs another station in town, Channel 8, it's the local affiliate. So George will take the package. Which is the, this is the clumsiest plotting of trying to get how, to, how they get George in contact with R.J. Fletcher. It's just mm -hmm. random mail fuck up. Yeah. It'll be a good chance to meet the competition. But RJ Fletcher might be an asshole. And he is, because he's yelling at his son that that's not a number two pencil, you idiot. Yeah. Oh, yeah, actually, also, I'm he... watching it now, and that his son, I can totally see that. If you painted him green and put him in a magic box, that'd be Jombie. Yeah. It's almost because that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? Don't, don't spoil the illusion for me. Um, so do you so recognize the guy from UHF as being the guy from UHF I wouldn't shut up about in fucking Invasion <laughs> of the Body Snatchers two weeks ago? Yeah, because you you didn't call him by name, you just called him UHF. Yeah, and that's now now you know why I call him UHF, he's in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. so he's, he's a jerk, he needs some reports, but and his son says he left him on a desk the night before, so the janitor must have thrown him away. Yeah. So he calls the janitor it in, and it's that racist guy. <laughs> it's that racist. Oh my god. Oh my god. I fucking Michael Richards, you asshole. You had to ruin Stanley Spadowski. I could live without Kramer, but like, t like tainting Stanley Spadowski. How can you possibly do that to me? Stanley Spadowski, mwah, so good if you're 14. Yeah. If you're any other age, <laughs> oh, okay. no way that character works. <laughs> 
Oh god, yeah. So Stanley Spadowski, yeah. he's the janitor, and he gets yeah. Was he get uh, fired by? He's a real idiot. Yeah. Yeah. And then they he gets fired and kicked out, and then he finds the files on his chair. Oh, I didn't see that coming at all. Well, and one of the most important things is not only do they fire him, but uh, uh, the, the 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 goons who fire him, who throw well, him out of the building. They oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I'm just saying, that's, this is one of the few plot points in the movie that actually is actually like structurally integral to the movie. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, then George shows up, calls Fletcher RJ, which kills the whole office, mm -hmm. dead in its tracks. Um, I guess the cam and... there's a, like, when that happens, the camera was supposed to stop at that moment, too, but they fucked up, and so, like, the according to Weird Al in the commentary, the fact that the camera uh, didn't stop moving fucks up the joke. Which, mm. no, it's just kind of a lazy joke. It's just like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like it all so, these like like I said, Weird Al's pretty critical of his own movie in the thing, but like a lot of the things where he's like, Oh, this should just this joke didn't work because it wasn't executed properly. Maybe Weird Al you should be a little more self self reflective and realize maybe some of the concept for these jokes weren't that if if they could be totally destroyed by slightly lackluster execution, maybe the jokes weren't that strong to begin with, but yeah. Yeah. Oh. So uh, George fires him, but he doesn't work there. So he says, you got, you're trespassing then. I'll give you ten seconds to get out of here. So then he leaves. <laughs> and then, <laughs> that's it, the end. And that that's it, over. yep. And George runs into Stanley in the hall, who's getting his mop taken away. Oh, yeah, they're still kicking eight. him out. Yeah, so I guess I guess Stanley spazowski has been fired. They've been in the process of firing him for like five minutes now, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep, and then... Um, so he offers Stanley a job at his place being a janitor. I love that Stanley's, his, his mop that he's and had since he was like 12 has like rainbow tape on the ends of it and everything like that. And look, it's a cool, legitimately cool looking mop. Why is the camera work so close to their faces? Oh, the camera. You got a whole bunch of sweaty white people in 1989 and the camera's getting uncomfortably close. You can see like <laughs> all the individual hairs and Weird Al's mustache and all the speeding <sighs> sweat glands on Michael Richards' face. And yeah, it's almost like this movie was directed by fucking Weird Al's manager and not a professional film guy. Oh. And then. A blind man's trying to solve a Rubik's Cube outside City Hall on a bench. <laughs> I forgot about That's that. the joke. Well, the funny thing is he keeps on trying to show the Rubik's Cube to someone else to tell him, did I get it right? Yeah, oh, it's it's the hobo. It's, it's the Danny Change mister. And, like, that's... <laughs> that's a you're, great you're right, Bill. You're right. That is the funny part. Well, it's just a throwy... Well, let's put it this way. It's a gag that doesn't overstay its welcome. It literally just happens that the camera's panning by them. It doesn't yeah, stop. That, like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the nicest thing you could say about it. It, just it doesn't, doesn't overstay its welcome. It just doesn't leave, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Uh, uh, Pam's there outside City Hall waiting for her cameraman. It's Billy Barty. He's short. That's the joke. That's, yeah. <laughs> Poor Billy Barty. At least he got a paycheck out of it. Billy Barty being... You know, I thought he was in Freaks, but I guess not. I was just looking it up. Um, but mm. he's been in... We've done other stuff with Billy Barney in it. But he's... Yeah, Billy he Barney, was in Masters of the Universe. That oh, God, classic... that's right. He played the fucking Orko villain character. Yeah. Oh, my God. But, yeah, Billy Barney, maybe the most, uh, most famous little person from the 20th century. He was in everything. God knows. So was probably... I'd almost be shocked if he wasn't in The Wizard of Oz. But, uh, yeah, he plays the cameraman, and the joke is that he's a terrible cameraman because he's only three feet tall. And, uh, he, and not only that, guys... but he's got, like, this giant, like, 1940s giant camera, too. So it's not even, like, a modern-day camcorder or anything like that. But, like, this giant fucking laser cannon of a, of a camera. And 
the bad guys trip Billy, the bad guys from Channel 8, yeah. and it skins his elbow. They're so evil. Yeah, and it's not played as a joke. Uh, fucking, uh, the, the nanny turns around, and she's like, oh, wait, where's my cameraman? And you see that Billy Barty's falling on his face, his camera's busted, and, like, he gets up, and, like, you see that his, uh, his elbow's all bloody. It's actually a really gruesome injury, and it's not played as a joke, and, and the nanny's all like, yeah. oh, no. And, like, Billy Barty's, like, scowling at the camera. He looks like Popeye, one eye open, <laughs> and he's like, we'll kill him. Oh, my gosh. If we could have gotten a Popeye with Billy Barty as Popeye. <laughs> that would have uh, been amazing. All the oh fights he could have done, oh, that would have been he, so he, good. He already has the voice for it, I too. know, exactly. I fucking unironically love Billy Barty, but he, like I said, him getting up and showing up his 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 little boo booed elbow is legitimately like the only one truly dramatic moment in this movie that doesn't like have a punchline or anything to it. Yeah, this is the Oscar. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this Oscar is the Oscar moment, moment for the, this film. Yeah. Yeah, and the the, the reporter from Channel A says broads don't belong in broadcast. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Ooh. I can't remember. Is the reporter the son? Yeah, I think so. Okay, yeah. Oh, yeah, because so, he's all like, uh, my name's Richard uh, Richard Fletcher, uh, reporting from the City Hall, yeah. Yep, so, uh, then Emo Phillips is there at the TV station <laughs> on the show. <laughs> you know what, I was going to joke about this being the first of one of many random throwaway scenes in the movie, but that's the whole point of this movie, is just to present you with random throwaway scenes. Like, yeah. yeah. The story he's is just the connective tissue for this stuff he's gonna use a table saw i'm pretty sure he won't hurt himself on it oh he cut off his thumb this... blood is burning everywhere he says my is my face red and then that's the joke it's great because evil philip shows up in the commentary for the movie for 10 seconds he literally just shows up you can hear the door open and close he comes in he's like oh this is the scene with me in it I did not get paid for this role. And then he just leaves. <laughs> that's his, his appearance on the commentary is as random as his appearance on the film, which is pretty great. Uh, also, there's one scene where he lifts up his hand immediately after his quote-unquote thumb gets chopped off. You can totally see he's actually just hiding his real thumb. Oh, yeah. Like, they don't even oh, try yeah. to hide the makeup job at no. all. It's terrible. But I remember this is one of the scenes that really got a lot of play in the trailers and stuff. And after this movie came out, after it came out on home video, this is the one scene I remember everyone talking about. Like, oh, my God, this is the movie. The UHF is the movie with the guy with the thumb, right? I was like, oh, yeah, that's right, yeah, so, and I think Emo, nine, nine times out of ten, if people know Emo Phillips, is because of this scene. I, yeah. I'm more convinced people have seen I, this scene rather than actually seen any, any Emo Phillips actual stand-up or anything. Mm. Yeah. Uh, they have, I, I watched deleted scenes for this movie with Oofa Doofa. Oh, yeah? Um, but, yeah, but, uh. <laughs> oh, no, how bad could that be? They, <laughs> Why were the they, scenes too bad to believe in the film? Oh, it's actually pretty entertaining because Weird Al's watching him and he's like, "This is fucking terrible." I mean, he doesn't swear because <laughs> he's Weird Al. Yeah. But he's like, he's like, you can see why we didn't put this in, mostly because it wasn't funny. Yeah. But there's, this, they did different endings for this scene. Oh really? And there's okay. one where Emo Phillips is like, "I always tell my students to put their thumbs in their mouth until they get to the hospital." And then he does, and that that was actually a pretty funny end to it, as opposed to him just saying, "Is my face red?" And then and just then the scene off. ends, and that's it. There's no button to the yeah. scene, really. Yeah. Yeah. But that's... maybe it was too gruesome him putting his severed thumb in. You his know, mouth. I wonder. I supposedly, know. I guess it was the th severed thumb scene that got the movie the PG-13 rating that it had, which I had no idea it was even rated PG-13. It's always listening to the commentary, but 
Yeah. yeah, so, yeah. Time out for some commercials or something or other. We're about to complete a great quest. The Holy Grail, Dr. Jones. Oh, rats. <laughs> this is it. Look. The shield is the second marker. We found it. Indiana Jones is on the quest of a lifetime. <laughs> But for some adventures, one Jones is not enough. Dad? Junior? Don't call me that, please. Follow me! Another way! Ah! A race across three continents. And in this sort of race, there's no silver medal for finishing second. Hang on, Dad! We're going in! Into the homeland of the enemy. Nazis. I hate these guys. Our situation has not improved. In his search for the Holy Grail. How dare you kiss me? Are you crazy? Don't go between them! Go between them! Are you crazy? Where's my father? In the belly of that steel beast. Dad! Junior! You call this archaeology? The quest for the grail is not archaeology. It's a race against evil. Germany has declared war on the Jones boys. Those people are trying to kill us. I know, Dad! It's a new experience for me. Happens to me all the time. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Have the adventure of your life. Keeping up with the Joneses. A strange force has entered the galaxy. The future of mankind is at stake. It could only mean one thing. Greetings, Captain. Spock. I do not think you realize the gravity of your situation. Oh. The vacation is over. Now, the crew of the Starship Enterprise... Enterprise, are you ready? ...is taking adventure where it has never gone before. What are you standing around for? Do you not know a jailbreak when you see one? From the mind of a madman... A hostile force has taken control of our vessel. Mr. Solo, full ahead. ...through the center of the galaxy... You know we'll never make it through the Great Barrier. ...to the final frontier... Fascinating. How often have you done this? Actually, it's my first attempt. Fire the rockets! You never cease to amaze me. Nor I myself. This is the boldest trek of all. Warp speed now. Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. Mr. Scott, you're amazing. There's nothing amazing about it. I know this ship like the back of my hand. for the nastiness of its inhabitants. When that day comes, when the slime starts to rise. The Titanic just arrived. When ghosts start arriving by the boatload. Who are you gonna call? Second guts, guys, with the Ghostbusters. Hose them. Ghostbusters! Ghostbusters, too. You're short. 
belly button sticks out too far, and you're a terrible burden on your poor mother. You're seeing things running through Bill your head. Dan Aykroyd, Sigourney Weaver, Harold Ramis, Rick Moranis, and Ernie Hudson in an Ivan Reitman film. Ghostbusters 2. Ghostbusters! Oh, who you gonna call? Ghostbusters! Who you gonna call? What do you do for a living? Lieutenant, is there a six-foot bat in Gotham City? Nice outfit. You look fine. I didn't ask. I have given a name to my pain. What are you? I'm Batman. Where does he get those wonderful toys? My life is really complex. Winged freak terrorizes. Wait till they get a load of me. straight. Guns don't kill people. I do. Channel 62 has the lowest ratings in the history of television. What they need is a new station manager. No, not him. Forget it. No way. A man of action. <laughs> a man of courage. A man of vision. What's your name? Billy. Billy what? What they get is a man so desperate, he'll put anyone on the air. Hey, Stanley. Yeah, George? How would you like your own TV show? Okay. You get the drink from the fire hose! Okay, you ready? Yeah! Open wide! He's Conan, the librarian. Today, we're teaching poodles how to fly. We beat up the networks. George Newman, he starts where the others stop. We're the number one station in town. Ah! Orion Pictures presents Weird Al Yankovic in UHF, the movie. We interrupt these commercials to bring you our program. But anyway, there's an ad for Spatula City. Okay. <laughs> and that goes on for five it, minutes. It, yeah, Get it, it people? On. It's it, Bob Spatula. <laughs> I do love the guy who plays the dad because he keeps on mugging and making his big bug-eyed faces at the camera. Spatula City! Let's go, kids!
<laughs> yeah, I, I was watching it going, this is going on a little too long. Off. You know what? I think that's one of the things, because I was talking about how this movie kind of like, is kind of like sketch, like kind of predicts like kind of like internet YouTube sketch comedy. I think that's one of those things where like, if you did this, like, this is one of the sketches, you get the joke in 30 seconds, it doesn't need to be like two minutes long like or whatever it is, but it goes had, on. If they, if maybe if they had done something that wasn't a spatula that they could have like, finagled the advertisement to show people using it in a different way than just a spatula. Yeah, exactly, but, but the whole joke spatulas. is it's just people running around the store of Spatula City. Like, they built the set for the commercial and they decided that, like, people running around that 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 the store set was more important than any other kind of gags you could have milked out of that premise, yeah. So, anyway. yeah, what are you gonna do? Uncle Nutsy Clubhouse. The kids <laughs> watching it are as bored as I am. Stop, Bill. Don't laugh at stupid shit like just Daniel just saying <laughs> Uncle Nutsy's Funhouse. <laughs> and um, so far, the funniest thing in this whole movie, and after finishing it, the funniest thing in the whole movie... Oh, I know what you're gonna the, say, yeah. ...is the kid trying not to laugh after he's he spitting Al's face. You, tell, you can see that he puts his hand over his mouth and he's trying real hard. I mean, you're spitting, like, not just spitting a little <laughs> bit, like, but hogging a loogie around a weird Al's face. That's gonna yeah. be funny. And you can totally tell the kid's cracking up at the fact that he's being paid to do this. And, yeah, yeah so... I do love Weirdo's dumb costume. He's got like this little hobo hat on. And he's got the fucking checkerboard uh, jacket. And oh, and this is also the Bob of the scene, the Bob of the clown scene. Yep. Yeah, which I don't know why it never pan. occurred to me. This is actually his best friend Bob playing Bob of the clown. Yeah, he gets hit with a frying pan and fed dog treats, which he thinks are regular biscuits, but he finds out, and that makes him vomit off screen. Then that scene's over. Um, I guess if you look closely, you can see that the actor's lip is bleeding, because where I actually did clip him a little bit too closely with the frying pan, and actually did bust his lip open in real life, so... He said that, like, Bob of the Clown acting all pissed off was not really much of an acting <laughs> moment. That was actually just the, the actor ready to punch Weird Al in the face. Yeah, you can't hit... I, I'm, I, and they used a real frying pan, which is terrifying. Yeah, I, why would you even risk it? Um, guy's lucky he, d he didn't get, like, half his teeth knocked out. Yeah. And then and then that seems over. <laughs> with that, just with a hint of cheese. And it's only been half an hour. That's... <laughs> the world's lost. I'm sorry, UHF, that we're doing you dirty like this, but it is a slow <laughs> autopsy of this film. <laughs> oh god, love you, Weird Al. You did your yeah. best. Your best just wasn't good enough. <laughs> no, like I said, it's a time and place thing. I'm sure. Well, like I said, Weird Al himself, who... he spends half the commentary talking about how 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 much they fucked up half the scenes in this movie. So you he's, he's not he's, he's not exactly uh uh arguing that he that we're wrong about complaining about this film. So. Yeah. Oh my god. And then, oh, um, and there is, I don't know if you're going to uh, mention this, but there is, it suddenly cuts to uh, Victoria Jackson. She's like watching uh, U62 while she's like cleaning some dude's teeth. And mm -hmm. on the TV, it's Fran Drescher. She's, she's not a dentist. She's just doing it on a street corner. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, on the TV, Fran Drescher is talking to a guy who's, he's like, I don't, guns don't kill people, I kill people. And then he makes mm -hmm. a face. I didn't realize this guy who makes the face is uh, Ernest's buddy from the Ernest movies. Which, oh. this is the guy, because I remember saying that that guy who makes the face is one, is one of my favorite parts of Ernest Scared Stupid. And it mm. wasn't in the until the commentary, Weird Al was like, oh yeah, this guy, who he's, he's, he's most famous from being in the Weird Al movies. I was like, oh, it's that motherfucker! Okay, yeah. So, mm -hmm. the rubber-faced dude. Yeah. 
And and George uses the TV to ask Terry on a date. Oh, that's the whole uh, point of the scene because he interrupts the the fucking commercial with a special bulletin, yeah. And which she is absolutely shocked by, and also luckily watching at the time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the movie's kind of insinuating. She's pretty much the only person watching the TV, I guess. Wow. But, yeah. Then there's an advertisement for Plots R Us Mortuary, and I don't even remember that one. That's this is just a bunch of random body parts sticking out of the graves. Yep, and buffets, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. But, oh, it's a salad bar, yeah. I don't know. Salad also, bar. That's yeah. lazy. Plots R Us because it's it's one of the Toys R Us, but it's a mausoleum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beverly Hills Billy's R is on, which turns. Oh into, yeah. Then George starts to fantasize, and it turns him into a terrible CGI monster. You've seen and this then, before, right? And then there's a no. Then there's really? a music video. No, which happens uh, where Al sings about the Beverly Hillbillies. And I guess, I guess we can do this now. This goes on for five minutes. I'm shocked that you never seen this before because this is this has this was actually released as its own standalone music video to promote the film. I didn't have cable. What was I gonna watch music oh, wow. videos on? Wow. To the point, like one of my few notes was like, was the I want my T- uh, MTV thing a music video that Weird Al uh, planned to release by itself that they just kind of inserted in the film to run out the padding time, or is this something that I, was an organic extension that was something that really was made for <laughs> yeah, the film? They said, you know what, this this movie's moving too briskly. <laughs> what if we slowed it down a but little? But that's what it kind of happens, because it is just like, I guess we're just gonna, I guess Weird Al's just gonna daydream a music video for five minutes, and that's what happens. Um, so yeah, yeah, this is the parody of the Dire Straits, blah blah blah, and I guess uh, the one interesting bit of trivia from the commentary is that David Silverman, who's the guy who directed and did a lot of the character designs for The Simpsons, designed Weird Al and the Jed Clampett characters for this uh, music video, which I thought was kind of interesting. Especially because The mm. Simpsons was just underway at this point, so he must have been working on both at the same time. Yep. So Stan wakes him up, uh, Michael Richards, and says he's finished polishing all the doorknobs, which is a euphemism for blowjobs? Uh, and... You know, I wouldn't be a bit surprised. What? Huh? <laughs> what? Well, how, so, how many doorknobs are there in that place? But I don't know. But then uh, he's—I guess—he's working late that night and forgot that he invited Terry, her parents, <laughs> yeah. and her giant sleeves <laughs> to dinner. Say, one of the funniest things in this movie isn't even meant to be a joke. It's her giant princess poofy sleeve dress that she's wearing. And I, even in 1989, I know 80s fashions were a fucking mess, especially for women. But by even by 1989, filming a movie in Oklahoma, fucking Homa, <laughs> there were no women going out to dinner dressed like fucking Cinderella like this. It's fucking those giant sleeves, the, the shoulders, poofy shoulders, shoulders. You got it, fucking ridiculous. But well, oh, poor Victoria uh, Jackson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As much as you can say, poor Victoria Jackson. But, yeah. So the Bob says the station will be flat broke by the end of the week. Yeah. And well, it also turns dro- out, or yeah, uh, Stanley's missed uh, the this birthday dinner date for Terry, and then well, he doesn't the figure that out yet. Oh no, okay, yeah, no, because uh, George should stop spending all their money on perms, and uh, <laughs> he's he says at least he still has Terry. Oh, but don't he realize? Well, he did. And oh, the yeah. phone rings. It was her birthday and dinner. She-, she was out with her folks. She was he was supposed to meet up, but he never did. So she Which calls I- up and she's he- like, "We're broken up forever." Yeah, 
I don't you contact me again, you mm. big old ball. Uh, my name is Victoria You Jack. can forget all of my birthdays from now on. We're true. She stomps her feet in her little princess dress and no one can take her seriously. I was really attached to their relationship. It made me very it's sad. It's such a worthwhile thing. Oh, God. And, and the fact they even end the movie on their relationship, too, is like, who cares about these people? So now he's as sad as the children are at Uncle Nutty's Funhouse. Yeah, the kids want to go home. I feel for them, but I'm already home. You know what? The kids acting bored and because everyone's just like playing with their pants or staring at the floor. It's it's actually pretty good kid acting. And uh, yeah, Weird Al comes out and he's all like, he's all like, Ooh, we're gonna show a movie about a cartoon and a, co a cartoon coyote and a road runner is about the futility of life and how much we all wish we were dead. And he just kind of throws mm -hmm. a fit and just kind of storms off stage because he's so depressed because his life is falling apart. Yeah, he's going to go drink. He's been meaning to start. <laughs> Which I thought was kind of funny. So he gives Stanley the show to do, Uncle Nutty's Funhouse. And uh, and then he just spends five minutes yelling at these kids, calling them the N-word. It came out of nowhere, and I was shocked. <laughs> There's only five kids but in the studio. Which one of you are a minority? It, it was the 80s, I guess. Yeah, so. Christ. Michael Richards, you fucking idiot. <laughs> oh god so yeah bob and george they go to a local bar yeah, yeah. uh the weird al gets a giant drink which i guess is supposed to be a joke because it's got like it's a tiki drink with umbrellas but it's not really a joke but i guess that's the whole point of that scene but i guess the bar tv he just, just, has he just to be ordered too... a tropical joke it's not uh, a <laughs> tropical drink joke. That's... actually i want a drink that is called the tropical joke uh but yeah i guess the bar tv just has to be tuned turned to u62 while they're drinking yeah Stanley comes on and everybody fucking loves the show of it. I proving guess... that people in the 80s were entertained by anything. <laughs> I guess in the five minutes it took Bob and George to walk across the street to the bar and that Stanley's been on the air, everyone's suddenly become enraptured by Stanley's brand new television show, which has just only been on the air for like three minutes. And yep. it is and, great. And it he's, is. It's yeah. It's weird because it's only been on this on the TV for three minutes, but he spent five of those minutes talking about mops. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And it is just Michael Richard just having a fucking conniption. He's like pulling plastic lizards out of his pants, and he's just yelling at the kids. And it is kind of alarming. But yeah, it's 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 pretty cute. Yeah, he does spend most of the time talking about how much he loves his new mop from his new best friend George. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They rush back to the station. Things are improving, I guess. Stanley has his own show, yay. yay. And then all of his sh Stanley shows are sold out for the next three months. Sponsors love him. Yay. yay. George has some ideas for new shows, like Wheel of Fish, hosted by Getty Watanabe and a gi. Of course he's in a gi. This is, what, this is one, of one of the other most famous th things to come out of the movie, is the Wheel of Fish thing with, You're so stupid! <laughs> yeah, I knew that, and, um... But he just—I mean, it's another joke in the movie that is just someone screaming something at the top of their lungs. There's no joke to it. It's just them screaming, "Stupid! You're so stupid!" That made me laugh so hard as a kid. Anything mm. we got someone else calling someone else stupid, screaming at the top of their lungs is always going to be hilarious. But oh <laughs> my god, so fucking dumb. And all the fish on the wheel of fish are actually just floppy dead fish. <laughs> yeah, which, I mean, that's the joke, is they're all kind of, like, rotting on the board. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. And then also the science man does Secrets of the Universe. He makes plutonium. Yeah. That scene's done. And also Raoul's Wild Kingdom, which is just him in his apartment. 
yeah. Who, where, where, who is even even George and Bob are like, where the fuck this guy came from? And also, turtles are suction cups. Yeah. All right. Um, do you know the trivia about what happened with that guy, that character, and everything like that? A little bit, yeah. Yeah. So the actor playing Raul in Raul's Wild Kingdom, he was supposed to be the mailman who accidentally drops off the package to R.J. Fletcher at the beginning of the movie, and he was supposed to have a whole subplot. He was supposed to be at the beginning. He was supposed to be at the end with the telethon at the end and stuff like that. Unfortunately, the actor died the the, the same day they finished filming all of his TV bits for the movie. Uh, he got killed by a drunk driver uh, while driving home from the set, yeah. and so. Uh, they decided to, as a tribute to him, they were contemplating for 10 seconds, like, recasting the role and refilming all those scenes. We're like, no, he died, he kind of died for this movie, so we're going to keep his uh, scenes in the film. Oh my gosh, how depressing. Seriously, I mean, it's, you would imagine Weird Al's got to probably have some pretty interesting feelings about this movie, considering it's a movie that kind of single-handedly not only killed a movie studio, but also killed a human being. Uh, so all for this movie that made well, like let's, fifty I cents of the box office. say the drunk driver actually killed the. But human you know what team. I mean. But like the guy wouldn't have been in the position to get killed by a drunk driver if he hadn't been on the set. It depends on how morbidly minded you are, I guess, about this stuff. Uh, I'd but say you're pretty morbidly minded. So without the connective tissue to connect him to the rest of the movie, they just do the gag where it's just like, oh, he's just. Uh, he's his, he's just a dude on the TV, and no one knows where he came from, and that's the gag. And I thought the gag was the fact he throws dogs out the window and murders them. One of the weird things, I guess they're supposed to be... He was supposed to get his comeuppance at the film. He shows up at the fundraiser celebration at the end of the movie, and somehow the poodles were supposed to get the revenge on him at the celebration, mm -hmm. which I don't know what the hell would they were... I mean, there's no window they could have thrown him out of at U62 unless they throw him, like, off the top of the radio tower or something like that. I don't know, but... I guess no, there was supposed to be a payoff to that gag, but they couldn't do it because the actor died. And so, yeah, that's that's the story of Raul's Wild Kingdom. Wow. So, uh, <laughs> not to bring everything down. No, you're fine. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> George calls Terry, begs for her to give him one more chance on the on her answering machine. He's a total psycho about it. Probably shouldn't oh, be in a relationship that's, with again, this man. Oh, again, that's one of my favorite performance moments where he's just screaming into her answering machine for five minutes. And uh, really? Victoria Jackson has to keep from corpsing while he's doing it. It's funny because mm. he's just like, Ah, my God, my life is totally awful. I wish I was dead. It's just, I think it's funny because it's someone having a meltdown. and uh, Red Snapper, very tasty. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, all I have to say about that. Then we're back to R.J. Fletcher. He hates his Father's Day gift. He said to buy him a Rolex, yeah. not whatever he got. And the man in a cowboy hat uh, tells him about the UHF channel being no, on yeah, it's and whatnot. Number one. He can't be bothered with that. So get out of here and, and take that ridiculous thing off. So that guy reaches up and peels off his mustache instead of the stupid hat. And he's all and sad about it, too. <laughs> that's probably the best joke in the movie. I do appreciate this movie just doesn't have the TV parodies, but it has done one-off jokes like that. And, like, the like the blind guy with the Ruby's Cube and stuff like that. It's just, yeah. And, again, it's 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 a bonus because it doesn't... Well, I guess the setup for the joke goes on for five minutes, but the actual payoff is, like, quick enough. It's, it doesn't belabor the point, but, yeah. So, uh... On Stanley's show, some kid finds a marble in a giant oatmeal pit. Well, now Stanley's show's gone from just being the Uncle Nutsy's clubhouse to being this huge production where 
Uh, there's brand new seating, there's lights, there's a huge billboard, Stanley's got his own little fucking Shriner uh, fire engine car. Uh, yeah, they, they can afford to have, yeah, the uh, Find the Marble in the Oatmeal contest, which I guess the other two contestants in that Oatmeal pit are Weird Al's parents? Mm. <laughs> that's kind of a horror. F that's a terrible way to Beaten have your parents by a cameo in your movie for you. Um, but yeah, the so, kids found a marble in the oatmeal. What's his reward going to be, Daniel? Well, he gets to drink from the fire hose, and a child is murdered. <laughs> I love the Star Wars caliber laser cannon sound effect that accompanies the fire hose. And the kid, of course, gets blasted off his seat and presumably dies. But yeah, yeah I mean, that's the other thing. That, that was the big thing that they based the whole, all the TV trailers and stuff off this movie was the kid being murdered by a fire hose. So I love he's then, got a stupid little red cowboy hat and everything. <laughs> it's a fucking mess. Oh so my god. At Raul's apartment, he gets a bunch of animals delivered. Aardvarks, hamsters. Which is weird, because this is not a TV segment. This is presumably happening outside, so we're just, like, seeing a moment in the slice of life of Raul now? Rabbits. Yeah. Badgers. Badgers. We don't need no stinking badgers. Did you get it, the reference? Because all was from three the other people thing. in the audience on opening weekend of UHF who had also seen the treasures of the Sierra Madre. And it's also funny because you get to see how kind of like wall-eyed the actor is too because he's like staring at the camera, but he's staring off in two different directions behind the camera. <laughs> and it's just kind of a weird scene just to... Oh, God, yeah. What a weird and movie. And that scene ends. Yeah. Terry gets home to find flowers taped to her door. And that's fine. But then she walks inside to find that a crazy man has broken in and left balloons everywhere creepy music playing a giant heart inside that says terry and george and it's a sign that says like uh without what does it say like life without you is nothing or whatever. something yeah it's just george being super insane and hyperbolic and crazy and stuff mm -hmm. yeah. she should probably get a restraining order yeah it's Victoria Jackson. It's what she deserves at the very least. <laughs> this is the worst thing that ever happens to her, then good on her. Oh. So, then an ad for Conan the Librarian. This is probably the other big thing that was in all the trailers and stuff, yeah. Just because, just even the name, it sounds like something from a really lazy Conan O'Brien sketch. Conan the Librarian. Yeah. Do you get it? Because it sounds like Barbarian, but it's Librarian. And the guy's like, oh, your book's overdue, and he chops a dude in half, and it's all like... <laughs> oh, I guess I the guess... dude getting chopped in the half, that was the other reason why the movie got a PG-13. But... Which, <laughs> I read that they were complaining because they, they said it was bloodless, but he's pure red inside. Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> nothing you can get blood. the joke. I mean, but, people were complaining, like, how much... It is still pretty... You get the joke. It's violent. Yeah, I, exactly. I, I didn't really find the guy getting chopped in half funny, but the guy going <laughs> before he did it was pretty good. And the next thing is one of my favorite jokes of the whole movie. It's not even like a big gag or anything like that. It's Stanley Spadowski. Uh, it's George watching a st one of the... St Stanley's doing his show. And he's eating a piece of watermelon. He's like, mm, I'm going to eat this watermelon. It looks really good. He starts eating it. And he goes, oh, this watermelon tastes like poop. <laughs> Just like the line tastes like poop. The way he says the line reading. I, like, I hadn't seen this movie in 10 years, and when he said that, I just, that fucking cracks me the fuck up. Because that is, like, the embodiment of it. Whenever I taste something that I don't like, it's always, like, my, in my back of my mind's head, I'm always kind of going, well, it tastes like poop. But, yeah. Oh, well, God. it's also because he, he said that because he's horribly racist, and he has opinions about watermelon. I forgot about, about that, yeah, exactly, yeah. Also, I get you, as I was watching this yesterday, I guess it happened to be National Watermelon Day, and so I posted this as a thing of like fuck watermelon people watermelon what are you is so 
You are out of your mind. I'm it's not, not even bad. It's just watermelon's like nothing. It's like eating water. I mean, it is watermelon. I guess there is a reason why it's called I, watermelon. It's so. It's, I guess if you don't eat good watermelon, watermelon's good fucking watermelon? delicious. It's like saying, mm, "Did you eat ice?" And like, no, of course I don't eat ice. And then someone's what are you like, talking "Oh, about? of course you would say that because you haven't eaten the good You're ice." Out of your mind. <laughs> watermelon's delicious. Watermelon's dumb. It's delicious. Not even watermelon flavored things are good. There's no watermelon's just kind of inert. I don't think I don't hate watermelon. I just think it's it's like the uh, the vegetable version of tofu. It's just kind of no. there. No, no. I'm gonna say no. Fuck watermelon. watermelon I gotta side with Stanley Spadowski on this. Tastes like poop. <laughs> no, watermelon's no. fucking great. Anyway, uh, but he, anyway. Stanley decides he'd rather eat some it's corn flakes. I would love it if our biggest fight ever was over watermelon. <laughs> watermelon, yeah. But yeah, uh, I guess this is a whole thing that was totally. Just, this entire segment was totally ad libbed by Michael Richards. I am. He breaks out. A, I'm shocked at this. <laughs> he breaks out a box of cornflakes. He's like, "Oh, I'm gonna eat the cornflakes," but he's like, "Oh, free toy inside!" And he starts digging up for the, uh, for the free toy and starts spilling cereal all over the place. And he's like, "Oh, don't tell your mom that you do this." And I just Thankful. love his character. It's so childlike, perfect. It's great. Oh, oh my here. god! You don't know very many children, do you? I mean, this—that's the. You know what? This was—it's the idealized <laughs> idea Ugh. of what children would look uh, act like. Really? Oh my god. No. So. Uh, thankfully, other stuff is happening, so we don't have to watch that scene. <laughs> not the entire the movie through. continues, yeah. Mm -hmm. George, uh, George is putting up a bunch of terrible shows, sounding shows on. Yeah, the he's board, arranging the schedule. It. It's kind of horrifying because he's got Stanley Spadowski doing a live hour-long TV show every night of the week, seven days a week. Hopefully, at least one of the like. Hope you would have at least hope during the weekends it's a rerun or something. Cause that's pretty. Mm. They're they're kind of driving uh, Stanley into the ground. But like the other TV shows are stuff like uh, Bestiality Today and <laughs> The Young and the Dyslexic, which I don't know why that made me laugh. But yeah. so uh, they got some reports. It turns out they didn't just show up on the reports. The ratings reports. They're number one. Yeah. And Bob says that's unbelievable, and I agree with Bob. And now it's time for more ads. <laughs> Why I don't not? even remember what they oh, are. So th I, this is essentially U62. Is mo the moment they did that they find out they're number one. Uh, there's like this U62. I remember back in the day, TV channels, especially uh, kind of like around this time of year, right before the the, the fall uh, programming uh, block would begin, you would have TV shows saying, "Hey, this is everything we got coming up this fall on Channel 52 or something like that." And it would be this kind of thing, just showing off all their new programming, and you'd have like. The local newscasters hanging out with each other, doing little skits and st and like like just like st keep tuned on to channel sixty two, bum bum bum, and you would have a little stinger at the end like Stanley here, where he's like, yeah, be there, and like this is actually a pretty good the parody of local television promotions like this from from the eighties, which is great. They they have like there's bowling for burgers and all kinds of just dumb shit. Oh, Anything yeah. here, strike your funny bone. No, because I didn't write a single one down. <laughs> it's but it's fucking Billy Barty strip po uh, strip solitaire, which is great because yeah. he's not naked at all. But there's a guy who's naked, and there's a it's just a whole bunch of just dumb celebrity mud oh celebrity mud wrestling because it's Gorbachev anyway. But yeah, they just burn off a whole more bunch more parodies right there. And then RJ Fletcher yeah, is mad. Because they're not their number one anymore, and he wants to know who owns that station. It and should be pointed George out. Bunk. 
Uh, I guess Channel 8 and actual Tulsa, Oklahoma, where they filmed this, is an ABC affiliate. So if you want to be upset at R.J. Fletcher, then write a letter to ABC, I guess. Okay. You know he's not a real person, right, Bill? <sighs> and then how did they make the movie? Yeah, well... It's not animation. like a figment of your imagination. <laughs> he existed somewhere. So, it's... Then it's the scene with George's uncle in a pool. He oh, no, okay, through. I'm sorry. This is actually the funniest. Actually, this may be the funniest part of the... What? Okay, so R.J. Fletcher, he's freaking what? out. <laughs> <laughs> this is... R.J. Fletcher's freaking out because I guess his dad founded the, 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 the company, the broadcast channel or the fuck and he's like oh why would you what would you imagine that if if rj senior were here what he would say about this situation and then rj's son turns and whispers to another guy in the meeting help help get me out of this box i need out of here now i can't breathe <laughs> which is actually a legitimately hilarious joke and even knowing that it's, it's said by the guy who plays zombie now in retrospect makes it funnier it's funny when a villain actually gets a good line in a movie like this like, it shows that guy, even though he's an asshole, he has a sense of humor, and that actually did make me laugh out loud. <laughs> and then when Nerdy Fletcher turns around, he's all angry about it, too, which is kind of funny, but... Anyway, yeah, fucking <laughs> Uncle Walters, he's sitting by the pool, and Weird Al, a song called I Wanna Be Your Hong, a hog, is blasting on his little radio? <laughs> which is mm -hmm. fucking... I guess originally Weird Al wanted uh, uh, Uncle Walt to be uh, lounging by the pool listening to Kung Fu Fighting. But they couldn't get the rights to Kung Fu Fighting at the last minute, so he had to, like, just come up with the song. He just, like, threw together, like, a little, like five minutes called I Want to Be Your Hog. And that's what he's blasting, which is the most random fucking... Anyway. He gets a call from Dr. Claw saying that, hey, all your horses lost this time, and he owes him $75,000. And, um, in two days, you gotta pay it in cash. So, uh... Danny. Which, this sets up, this is another twist in the movie that comes from nowhere, which sets up the whole we gotta save the rec center kind of, kind of finale for the movie where uh, suddenly everyone decides they need to put up a fundraiser where, it's not just a fundraiser, but they're gonna sell stock in the company, 75,000 well, shares of stock. So, and then uh, R.J. Fletcher calls him and he's gonna buy the place. Yeah. And... Uh, oh, it's not, R.J. Fletcher, like, like, R.J. Fletcher's, like, just there at U62 the next day. It's never explained exactly what's yeah. going on just yet, yeah. He's, like, measuring the place I, while everyone's asleep. Yeah, and they ask what's going on, and he says he owns the place and whatnot, or he will once the paperwork's done that night. Yeah. So then... Oh, yeah, uh, fucking Uncle Walter's, like, flying in from town. Oh, yeah, this does scary. suggest... Because, like, he's not on vacation. He's actually, like, at... They show him... At, he's at the same mansion that... Weird Al was at earlier. What the f- Yeah, okay, yeah. whatever. I mean, this again, this movie's not supposed to make any kind of sense, but that is kind of like, okay, what? Yeah, so Weird Al calls his uncle, who's leaving, but before he can leave- He's leaving to go uh, to the airport his... to fly to U U62 to finalize the deal with RJ Fletcher, yeah. Yeah, George calls, and his aunt is very mad about the situation, so he goes back inside, and George says to give him a chance to at least match the offer. And for $75,000, you think he'd be able to find a bunch of investors in the new number one TV channel. Exactly, yeah. Or you could leverage. Like, you could, you should, I mean, I guess these guys aren't, don't have too much, like, savings or fluid cash they could throw around. But exactly, you think you, yeah, it's some kind of, like, angel investor or something like that you should be able to find. If the show's this popular and, yeah, and they should be able to raise $75,000 in a couple weeks. Just because... Like, yeah, but he only has two days. I know, exactly, but... And, 
Or at least talk to Louie and say, hey, because it's not like a legal thing. It's only, like, if they could just talk to Big Louie and say, hey, like, you're, the guy who owns this TV station is, the, the TV station is now the number one thing in town. We, like, if you just give us, like, a like a month-long extension, we'll give, like, we'll give you, like, $100,000. How's that? And they, yeah, you think they could, but that's not the point of the movie. The point of the movie is that no. you suddenly artificially need a weird deadline at the end of the movie so you can do the Save the Rec Center kind of ending of the movie. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So, now they need to figure out a way to get all that money. And some way to keep an eye on Fletcher. This is... This <laughs> so much of the movie, end of the movie hinges on the ca the good guys sneaking a camera in R.J. Fletcher's office for absolutely no reason other than Weird Al just says, we gotta keep an eye on the bad guy. And mm -hmm. so, suddenly Philo, like, teleports into the dude's office, into the ceiling, and installs this giant, like, 1940s camera into the ceiling that R.J. Fletcher, I guess, never realizes is there? Correct. Yeah. And, um... And uh, that happens. <laughs> and then it's... The end. And the, the Uncle Lance meets Fletcher. Uh, his name is Harvey, the uncle. And he has a lot of peanuts. He offers it to him. Which I That's guess is a joke. joke. Uh, he, then Fletcher wants to make the deal right there, but Harvey says he's got to wait because he promised George to give him a chance. But don't worry, there's no way that kid will come up with the money in two days. Yeah, yeah my sergeant, my god. So now, or ads for Georgia's show, which is basically just Jerry Springer. That one time he opened Al Capone's glove box in his car. It had oh yeah, these two things are specifically uh, goddamn Geraldo because that is it's... a joke that has aged like a fine cheese. Man, I it's amazing how many comedians have because I didn't think that Geraldo opening the vault, uh, Capone's vault, was that big of a deal in the day. But according to comedians from the time, that was like the greatest television <laughs> moment in, in 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 human history. If, if yeah. comedians are to be able uh, to be believed, but yeah, and also there's the Geraldo thing where uh, George is hosting a talk show where he gets hit in the face. Actually, the stunt where he gets hit in the face, well, it's a, uh, presumably it's a breakaway chair, but it's a pretty good fucking stunt. Weird Al looks like he's just been fucking killed. <laughs> yeah. And actually, they even then cuts away because like after he gets hit in the face with the chair, it suddenly cuts away to where like, like he's a little self-insert over the title of the show. And he's like, "You 62." Be there, and so he gets hit in the, uh, from behind with another breakaway chair, and th that hit looks like it should have killed him too. So we're now doing some pretty good stunt work in this movie. Maybe he's triplets and he did die. <laughs> exactly, they just burned through two of his twins on this film. Yeah, all this <laughs> week on Town Talk, yeah, he gets taken out. This movie's goddamn dumb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So <sighs> later outside, George is sad. Stanley talks to him. He doesn't have $75,000 in his wallet, unfortunately. I do. <laughs> yeah, because George, George is all like, oh, you can't help me unless you've got $75,000. And uh, Also, that's preceded by the moment where I, I think Stanley asks, like, what's wrong, George? And Georgia says, uh, Georgia says uh, you don't want to know. And he's like, what I ask then? <laughs> that's actually kind of a cute joke. Again, not the blockbuster joke of all time, but... It's I, I laughed in the theater. I am glad you like this movie. Yeah. <laughs> I don't Someone love it. I just have to. warm feelings towards it. It's like an old yeah, friend. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. yeah, that's good. Um, I feel that way about a bunch of old shit. Yeah. So, so that's a great idea for a telethon, because those used to be a thing. 
Yeah, that's talk about a relic of the past. Do they even still do the Memorial Day or Labor Day telethon with Jerry Lewis? I know no, he died, they, but like... I think they stopped that. Yeah, I was going to say, because that seemed to be the last real telethon anyone ever really did. Because, like, who the fuck watches television? And, and now these days it's just aging baby boomers who need to, like... They're the people that, like, the fundraiser should be for. Like, you don't want them being the only people donating to your cause. Um, yeah. But this does raise some questions. Mm. Is this... I mean, I guess they're selling stock, but is this not... Like, they're just doing this because the station owner has $75,000 in gambling debts? Is that yes. not some kind of... Aren't they breaking some kind of basic FCC rules? I mean, I guess as Probably. long as the people paying for their shares get their money's worth, I guess. But it's funny that, like, I, I wonder if you would have to disclose. Like, it's be we only we're only doing this essentially IPO offer as a result of the terrible management that our company is under. But anyway, but yeah. Yeah, I guess that so. also like opens the door for like a big community theme of the movie because now at, at the end everyone owns a piece of the company. It's not just George and his uncle, but like I don't know. It's all yeah. So Fletcher turns on his TV and they they aren't just raising money; they're selling stocks in the station so the town will own it. Yeah, nothing could. It's possibly more of a go community effort there. that way, rather than just give us money because of my uncle. He has gambling dads. Whoo! Half an hour of this, huh? <laughs> yeah, and this is the exciting uh, half hour where it's more plot than it is the funny parts. So RJ is so evil he snaps a pencil and that poor innocent pencil. Telling his hired hired goons to go get him. And then what do you think George of RJ gets... Fletcher? It wasn't until the end of the movie he's like cackling at some point. I was like, oh, he cackles the same way as Skeletor. <laughs> if they ever did a live action Skeletor movie. Which they did, and we watched it. Yeah. Well, he could just have that guy. You wouldn't even need makeup. He could just be him. Isn't, isn't he dead? Yeah. Well, they even better. <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> just get no, a skeleton. A... Just puppeteer no, to his old uh, cackles. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anyway. So. George gives Stan's pep talk and then leaves. And after George leaves, Stan's kidnapped by the hired goons posing as pizza dudes. Mm -hmm. The scene of him in the car with the pizza dudes or goons. And then that scene's over, showing that he's going to annoy them. Mm -hmm. And at first, I was like, what the fuck are these umbrella dudes? But then I realized I had seen them before. Yeah, you know what? When we st when we did the thing that we've, we've seen them before in... I thought they seemed familiar, but it wasn't until watching this. I was like, oh, that's why they seem familiar, this, this. But yeah, you go ahead. Yeah, it's the Kepler twins, which the only fucking reason I know anything they've done. I've actually known two. We've, Bill, can you believe we've actually done two things that they have been involved in? Like two other things other than the UHF? Yes. What the hell's the other thing? Because the, well, the first one is uh, the Forbidden Zone. Yes. What's the other one? Yeah, so I wouldn't have known this if I hadn't, like dug into it and i was like what the fuck did they do in that movie <laughs> they there's, the point... <laughs> <What's>... <laughs> there's the point in the adams family movie of all things oh where, that makes where, sense okay. where they no it doesn't because it's it, they're not adams's or anything oh really because they... when... <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> when fester and gomez are sliding down the slide and the say say oh playmate is song is being sung oh. it's, it's the kepler twins I don't know why. I didn't I, realize they were I, maybe they artists. were friends with maybe they were friends with Tim Burton or whatever or something. But, yeah, because I just because hey. in Forbidden Zone they, they just kind of do the same thing where they're doing the it's it's the same random shtick. 
that they only do for you 10 know, seconds when you go chef. And when watching the Forbidden Zone, I was like, that seems familiar, but I can't place exactly why. And it wasn't until watching this for, for the podcast today. I was like, oh, they're in UHF. They're doing the same shtick. Yeah. You know, Bill, sometimes we watch old movies, old, old movies, and or silent films for the most part, and we're like, what the fuck was wrong with old-timey people <laughs> that they thought this was entertaining and funny? Yeah. The Kepler twins make me feel like that about like our generation. They do feel like they fell out of a tele- like a, a time portal from like vaudeville <laughs> from like 1908. That's kind of UHF in a nutshell, though. Too at the same time is like, who thought the hell this was funny? What was wrong? Pe- people. But I well, guess I would say was... I was about to joke that people ten years from now would be looking at UHF the same way we look at Titan films. No, actually, judging by your reaction, people now look at UHF <laughs> wondering why the hell anyone laughed at this shit. And that's quote unquote only thirty years old. It's not even from the silent era. But so I'm guessing that all like these guys. Uh, Emo Phillips probably. Yeah. And and all of these people are probably I would I'm I I'm guessing I have no idea but come from like a uh know each other from Doctor Demento. Exactly. He's probably the focal point. Dude, well, Doctor Demento, I guess during the U62, this is what we got coming up this fall. You see him very briefly. I guess there was supposed to be more of an actual scene where uh, there was a third Stanley Spadowski segment where. Uh, Stanley's trying to get uh, audience members to engage in a, a whipped cream eating contest, and Dr. Demento was one of the contestants. And they deleted that scene, but like they have put a short clip of Dr. Demento being force-fed whipped cream from a can in that uh, the, 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 the coming up this fall in U62 sequence. You just see very briefly, it's only like literally like a three-second shot of a fat guy being force-fed uh, whipped cream, and that's Dr. Demento. And I think that's also, like, I think that's how they also know Joel Hodgson. Uh, cross between uh, Dr. Demento stuff and also just, like, traveling roadshow comedians just kind of being, you know, all in the same circuit together. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, but there was more Kepler guys in the deleted scenes. Really? So dodge that. They have bullet. a whole act? Yeah. I, at least partial, uh, yeah. Anyway, that's weird. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I knew that we had done them in the Forbidden Zone, but finding out they were the singers of Adam's Family, I was like, I'm okay. glad we did UHF just so I can like, figure out, because like I said, that was something that I thought seemed familiar back in the day when we weren't covering Forbidden Zone. But, I'm yeah. surprised Phil didn't tell you that. Yeah, well, maybe Phil maybe Phil didn't recognize him. Maybe Phil had never seen UHF before. Oh, I can't imagine <laughs> I was going to say, Phil, Phil lives in UHF. I can't imagine Phil <laughs> I can't. That's, that's the thing. I can't imagine anyone being... A, a fan of the Forbidden Zone, not being a Weird Al fan, and not like knowing making the connection the moment you see this film. Yeah, I would. Oh. I would guesstimate he's seen this movie over a hundred times. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He he doesn't need to see that movie, Dottie. He lived it. Like that's that guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, then, um, R.J. Anyway. Fletcher is walking to his business. Well. Uh, every man, Stan isn't on air. They're losing money. Oh, that's right. Because the, like they've kidnapped he's the Stan. Decent, he's the only God, this company's the built apparently. on fucking sand. If if, mm-hmm. if they can't even pull off this fucking uh, telethon without Stanley there, Jesus Christ! It's like so. It, it, George should be a little more worried about like his his <laughs> his lineup. Yeah. And uh, Stan's busy driving the kidnappers crazy. They want to kill him because he won't shut up. Mm-hmm. Gag him, then. And oh, then, is this what he's seeing in Bonanza? Yeah, something. Yeah. And they drag him to a different room. And then at the telethon, <laughs> some guy's yodeling upside down because why not? Yeah, hey, this is a whole, a whole just bunch of random acts. Yeah. And then, well, they interrupt the telethon, I guess, to show an ad for Gandhi 2. Well, yeah, which is the... 
And I'm sure it's in Gandhi. The, I'm sure in the 1989 theater you saw this in, children were on their feet cheering, like old fucks were on their feet cheering when Charlie Chaplin farted and whatever city Get it, cause it's Gandhi and he's driving and he's eating a steak and he's having sex with the ladies. It's all things that Gandhi didn't actually do. Uh, mm-hmm. He does punch a hole through a guy's belly. Just like coming right off of Ricky O. I was like, oh, that's like Ricky O. It's just like a blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But it's funny because so he's an action star. Yeah, so the next day, RJ gets uh, has an interaction with the change guy. Yeah. And RJ gives him a penny, and he he's very excited. Oh, thanks, Mister. The guy uh, gets I, very excited. It's not just yeah. Oh, there's something going on yes. there. Yes. And I made a note. I'm gonna guess that penny is worth a lot of money that he uses to save the station. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like you turns should write out. movies too. <laughs> turns out. Hey, Daniel, guess cool. what? You're as qualified to write and direct a motion picture as the people who made this film. Congratulations. You yeah. proved it right there. Yeah. I tripped over that bar. It was so. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, HF. I love you. We don't mean to hurt you too much. So, you are kind of so terrible. I, <laughs> oh, I guess. God. And then Terry goes and sees RJ Fletcher, and she asks him not to be such an asshole and let Channel 62 go on. Of course, this is all being recorded on the hidden camera, and RJ says the community means as much to him as a festering bull of dog snot. Yeah. And I'm sure that won't come back and bite Which is funny because you just get to see the start of this, but the, I guess he went on for another 10 minutes after the start of the scene. Yeah. So Stanley's yelling at the bad guys, the kidnappers, to fix his blindfold because it fell off. Oh yeah, he's kind of like, he's using his tongue to kind of take his own blindfold off or something, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm, they tell him to shut up and cut his tongue off, but he can't hear them because he sees his mop, which lets him break his bonds with his mop strength and inadvertently beat all the bad He gets super strength and just tears everyone up, yeah. Mm-hmm, he even waves it around and it makes lightsaber sounds. Get the reference? Oh, which is also, yeah. Hey, to be fair, 1989, Star Wars had been gone for long enough. Star Wars is so cold-ass dead in 1989. That was actually not a deep cut, but would you, it have, you would be surprised that anyone was still making Star Wars references in 1989. Would it have been better if he had just made the Star Wars sound? You know, I'm kind of surprised they just didn't do that, Yeah, They could have just fully that in, too. They didn't necessarily have to have, like, like a Star Wars sound effect, but, you know. Mm-hmm. And, um... So, what, he ends up barricading himself in RJ's office, I think? I don't know what that... It's, re- it's enough... Ty- no, 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 I, is- I typed a note, and I have no idea what it means. Because I'm... I- <laughs> yeah, you had a stroke, you are so bored by the film. But it's enough that, like, uh, Philo gets to see that... Uh, th- th- he, this is how he finds out that uh, Stanley Spadowski is being held by RJ Fletcher's men. Because, like, the, yeah, the fight well, ends he, up in, in, in that office. Yeah, he fled, hides in Fletcher's office. Science Man doesn't notice at first because he's busy, but then he does notice once he sees them held at gunpoint when the baddies break in. And rather than call the cops, George says, comes in and sees it too and says, I'll handle it. Because, I, yeah. All I, right. And then he and then he changes into a terrible flesh suit of Rambo. Thanks. You know what? I hate for 1989 it. for like a dime store budget. I do like he's got all the veins painted on and everything. It's actually I kind of liked it. Um, so he has a daydream about saving Stan from a POW camp. Baddies shoot at him, but never hit him, and he hits them with every bullet. You know what? <laughs> the funny. Mm. You know what? I I actually think few things date this movie more than a fucking Rambo 
parody that goes on for five minutes, because as big as Rambo was back in the 80s, Rambo is aged so poorly. It's kind of like the Avatar of its day, where it was a huge hit for its day. But well, then, specifically like, Rambo 2, Ram- Well, right? that's only specifically Rambo 2. That, like, now, it's like no one even now even talks about Rambo or anything. <laughs> where where he's fighting with Al-Qaeda. Yeah. God, well, didn't that actually end up being, like, that was like Rambo 4 or something? Yeah. Maybe, I don't know. kind of chose the fucking wrong side on that one. But, yeah, it's Rambo kind of became one of those things that was more famous just for all the parodies of it rather than the thing itself. And this is one yeah. of the big ones where, yeah, fucking uh, sli- fake Slice Stallone, it's Weird Al, he's shooting at everything. Yeah, exactly. Every sh- like, he's shooting bows and arrows at stuff and everything's just exploding. I do like the mm-hmm. bit where the, it's like, don't they... He rescues Stanley and they go to... They're trying to get to the chopper, but the chopper is like a little rented... Uh, toy thing that there's a like Carney Barker who's like renting out like tickets to the oh yeah yeah helicopter tickets twenty dollars and as they're getting onto the chopper like a bunch more guys attack and Rambo blows them up and suddenly yep. like he's shooting his gun and random things from stock footage are exploding mm-hmm. and then suddenly there's a guy I guess there's one last guy left alive he's got a pistol he's about to shoot Rambo. But then Rambo catches the bullet between his teeth, and which is great because on the commentary, Michael Richards pops in for a minute, and he's like, "Oh, look at that! That guy had a magic gun that fires bullets, cartridges, and all that Rambo just caught in his teeth. Why? That must be a really good gun to shoot just because because the shell should have been ejected. It's like a whole bullet before you know, it gets fired from a gun, mm. like what that ends up in Rambo's mouth. But it's a whole. I do like." So I guess the Rambo suit was put together by KNB Effects, who they're famous these days. They do all the effects for um, the Walking Dead TV show. But they got their, I think, got their start. Were they the guys who did the Killer Clowns from Outer Space? Or is that the Chiodo no Brothers? Because the Chiodo Brothers also did Large Marge and Pee Big Adventure. They also did the Philo I, Alien animation at the end of the film. I feel like that's the brothers. Yeah, or something like I, that. But. I, it's, it's, I, yeah, I, I like this movie managed to employ both groups that were famous for, like, really low-budget special effects at the times, who, I don't know the Chiodo Brothers do anything these days, but I know it can be, in fact, they're mostly known for, their, they, they're pretty much kept alive through the Walking Dead stuff these days. That, yeah, that is kind of a gruesome-looking Rambo suit that Weird Al's got, because all the sculpted muscles, oh, it's all greasy. They get in the helicopter, and I hate his shoulder wrinkles. Yeah, it's because it's obviously just made of rubber, and the way it just kind of... <laughs> Point shoulder wrinkles. Oh, and then fucking RJ Fletcher shows up on a chopper with like the number eight logo of the, the channel, like made out of duct tape on his helmet, which Weird Al points out in the credits and starts laughing at. Um, yeah. yeah and then they and blow then up RJ Fletcher's chopper, and that's the end of the sequence, mm-hmm. I guess. And they blow up various landmarks while he screams. Oh, that's like, what it is. Oh, and fucking Stanley yeah. Spadowski's making spastic faces while everything's blowing up, so it's even extra gruesome. Mm-hmm. And then he's back in the real world, bursting into Fletcher's office, only to get a gun pointed at him. Yeah, I didn't see that coming. Did Stanley steal so now... one of the guy's faces? Because one of the guy's faces is full yes. staples now. Yeah. Yes, he did. So now they're going to go for a little ride. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. So, uh, they're going to kill him. Which makes George say red rum and do the finger thing. <laughs> for no reason! you could do, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I guess so if you're that, about to die, that's not the worst comeback. The worst, worst thing you can do to c- confound your would-be murderers, but yeah. Yeah, but then they hear a noise, and I think this might be the dumbest joke 
in the entirety of the film. <laughs> you know what? I forgot this joke comes from this movie. Because it's an animated marked, GIF. It's also there's a door marked supplies, and when they open it, it's the martial arts guys, and they all yell supplies. This may be the worst attack. racist joke I've laughed the hardest at. Oofa doofa. <laughs> oofa doofa. It is oofa. Oh my god. I can feel my white racist southern heritage coming through and laughing at that so, uh, fucking joke. Oh I figured my they just said, shouted surprise and attacked, but then I went back to see if, like, I didn't want to just call it, like, broom claws or something, so I went back to see, because I noticed someone was right on their door, and it said supplies, and I was like, oh, fuck, did they actually <laughs> shout supplies at them? You know what? So we're in the middle of working on a Springfield, map of Springfield from The Simpsons, and there's a Chinatown, I guess, that wound up showing up, like, in a later episode of The Simpsons, from it's like an episode from like 2002 back when it was it, it's recent enough that the fucking show creators should have fucking known better and one of the 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 businesses in springfield chinatown from this episode that's relatively recent is toys l us because it's in chinatown and they're doing the art. that's that's oh even more gosh, just like no i saw that and i was like Ooh. oh my god that is just Oh no! And that's that's that terrible. Yeah, so I'm glad to see this rich heritage of white people. Just like that's like oh no, but yeah, this joke is playing off the same thing. But it's still get some plies. Jesus, get it, Watanabe? What are you doing? Christ Almighty! <laughs> that I guess that is like yeah. Th this gung ho. Well, I guess I actually I remember gung ho actually being pretty good. But between this and sixteen candles. Holy shit, I'm surprised he hasn't been, like, sent to the Asian Hague for crimes against uh, Asian people for film roles like this, but holy shit. I mean, not that he wrote that joke. That's all Weird Al, but <laughs> Jesus Christ. Anyway. So, anyhow, uh, terrible acts are happening at the studio, uh, and then our heroes return. Yay, I guess. <laughs> and Fletcher gets back to his office to find everything destroyed. Oh, no. Yeah, he got to come uh, up a little bit. And then Stan is giving a speech about how Channel 8 is evil, and they aren't going to let them infect their station, right? And the crowd shouts, no. And he says, I can't hear you. And they say, no. How is there I still 15 you? minutes left in no. this film? That's a, that's a good question. There's like a fifth and of then, the movies left. And then he, oh, he said, I can't hear you because he had earplugs and he pulled them out. I thought he pulls them right. out and he gets all like freaked out by them and he drops them, which is... <laughs> The He's welcome got good to acting. His physical chops in those movies, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, imagine if he wasn't a racist piece of shit. Oh he god! Done yeah. After Kramer. So then. R.J. Flesher does a news report on how he's going to report on some shipping. What was he going to report on here? I don't know, because like, like, it's like... Like, they were building up to him saying something shocking, and, you know, you're not going to believe the depravity or whatever, but what what was he going to do? I guess, well, yeah, because the only reason he's in this position is because he hired a bunch of thugs to murder the people from another rival station, so I guess he just wanted to... I guess at like at eleven o'clock on a school night, he decided he was just gonna like broadcast a, like an, a like a fucking live tirade about how terrible for the community and the moral fabric of America channel U sixty two is. And he's in the middle of starting to read this speech when suddenly Philo he's he's like, oh well, I'm gonna cut in with my air piracy shit. He like fires up all the machinery at U sixty two to override the airwaves. 
But yeah, I don't know yeah. what the hell R.J. Fletcher's plan was other than to give the heroes a way to embarrass himself even further. So, yeah. Yeah, okay. It's not, I just, I, yeah, no, I don't know. Again, that, no, that's okay. not the point of the movie. The point of the movie is no. just like any excuses so, to, for things to happen, but yeah. It shows footage of him saying the dog's not stuff and a bunch of other stuff. About yeah, he, he then the he goes town. on to a longer, much longer tirade about how everyone in the community deserves, deserves to die and all this crazy and shit. It's yeah. The the whole town is shocked at his evil words, and by I mean the I mean, the whole town, I mean that one old lady. One old lady who, who I guess she immediately hops in her car and drives to the station, knee him in the nuts later. Yeah, the wrong station. So that's a good point. <laughs> She, that's, yeah, why would she drive to U62 if she was just looking for him to knee him in the nuts? Did did she drive to, to Channel 8, but was too late just to see RJ Fletcher get into his car to drive to UH, uh, to drive to U62, so she followed him there to knee him? Oh, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's whatever. It's, also, yeah, it's whatever. why uh -oh. doesn't... If RJ Fletcher wanted to sink the the, the the company, why doesn't he just use the $75,000 that he was going to give to Uncle Walt directly? Why doesn't he just, he just like the moment they start the telethon, why doesn't he call in and say, Hey, I, I'll, I'll buy up all those shares right now for $75,000 instead of just giving the money directly on Uncle, Uncle Walt. He just uses that to hoard all the shares through the telethon. And so, every, so, so it's all the good guys were like, oh my god, we got saved by our very first caller. Also, hey, and then he would hey. now legally own the studio without everyone, anyone even being able to interfere. Hey, those shares are also worthless because they're selling shares to the studio, but they don't own it. Well, Uncle Walt does. Well, uh, like, yeah. Well, it doesn't get Uncle finalized Henry. until Uncle Walt's... He signs the paper actually formalizing... I, it's a little fuzzy. I mean, if you try to start bringing logic into this shit, but anyway, but it turns That's out there's true. 73, it's like $73,000 in pocket change, but, mm -hmm. and almost there. they're almost there and the fucking RJ Fletcher shows up and he pulls the well, plug literally. And then big Louie shows up. Well, um, first Terry shows up. She's proud of George. Oh God. Yeah, that's right. She needs thing. to be there just so the ending of the movie can happen. Yep. And then the uncle wants that money because big Louie's very punctual. RJ shows up, unplugs something. I don't know what. Just a random plug. He's like, that'll learn him. And then Big Louie shows up in his limousine. Uh, RJ wants to say a few things to the people before the transaction takes place. Okay. He just totally and destroys himself, because if he had just signed off on the dotted line right there, everything would have been... He starts talking to the crowd about whatever, and then the James guy comes up <laughs> and buys $2,000 worth of shares yeah. to keep... And he says, keep the king. Yeah, it turns out that the, you're right. The, the penny that uh, R.J. Fletcher well, gave hold on. Was, oh, okay. He explains that in a bit. I don't know why I'm telling you to hold on. I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, this is, I mean, this is what the end of the movie is, yeah. Yeah, I guess it's just so I don't get lost in my notes. And then, That's uh, just fine. So, so George gives Big Louie the money, signs the deed, and yay, they saved the rec center. Fireworks go off as the crowd backs Which, up. Yeah, for a company that, they that was strapped with money, they did have a quite a big fireworks budget. <laughs> the crowd backs up, realizing they were way too close to these flames. <laughs> yeah, Not exactly, yeah. Well, they probably didn't <laughs> even expect flames. Like, yeah. Uncle Harvey tells RJ to blow it out his ear. And then an FCC guy comes out of nowhere and tells 
RJ that he's late on his payments, which normally is just a big fine, but since he's such a colossal turd, he's being taken off the air effective immediately. It's nice of that man to show up in the middle of the night and then walk away. Hey, he drove to Tulsa at, the, like, at, at like 12 midnight just to shut down Channel 8. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. just, okay. And then Pam shows up and she'll report on it. And and that happens. And then his oh, son I gets do like Noodles McIntosh mm. comes out. He's got the camera, but he's being held by the black cameraman. Which kind of negates the fact that, like, why doesn't he just take the camera from Noodles McIntosh at that point? Like, it's just, yeah, it's just funny. But, yeah. So, Pamela, she finally gets to... Oh, no, there's a whole thing with, like, fucking Noodles the, McIntosh the... trips... Uh, yeah, Richard Fletcher, so Zombie goes face first in the mud, and he's like, Daddy! Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's all coming together. Yeah. George thanks the science man, and the science man says his mission's not done. He got returned to his home planet. I do love his artist reading of that, and then George's like, uh, okay. And the guy just wanders off into the background, which mm -hmm. I guess originally they weren't going to have a close-up of him turning into an alien. It was all supposed to just take place in the background. That was supposed to be the joke that this monumentous occasion just gets completely ignored by everyone else, which is kind of undone. But I guess they liked the animation, the Chiyoda Brothers animation of uh, Philo turning into the alien so much that they decided to make that a close-up rather than just something that happens in the background. Uh, but it would have been funnier, though, as just you just see him do that in the background. But anyway. Yeah, he turns into a horrible monster alien clay animation thing and then just teleports away. Outer yeah. Space. Yeah. But nobody noticed, so it's all cool. And then old lady knees RJ in the scrotum. Yeah, and I guess she's, like I said, she must have followed him from from uh, Channel 8, I guess. Mm -hmm. George gives Stan a trophy for being the world's greatest janitor and TV star. The change guy tells RJ that that penny he gave him was worth a ton of money. It let him buy a bunch of shares, and he still had enough to buy a Rolex, which makes him mad and sad because that's the he kind of wanted. watch he wanted. So which is the weirdest comeuppance for the bad guy. Like, on top of everything else, it's a Rolex. No! The homeless then, guy doesn't deserve a Rolex. Then Terry asks George if she can be a part of his daydream sometimes, and he says, now nah, you'll always be part of that. Uh. And then they're in a gold Gone with the Wind style fantasy. More like gonorrhea with the wind. <laughs> Tomorrow's <laughs> another day. They kiss on a backdrop sky and the movie ends. Oh, God. And that's done. That's UHF. That's sure is. one of the greatest comedy classics of modern times. And mm. Daniel didn't absolutely love it, so he should be pilloried and chastised. And if people want to send us emails about how dumb and wrong Daniel is for not loving this <laughs> childish-ass fucking movie. Not even a movie, it's an excuse for a movie. You should email us and yeah, yell at him on Twitter. Oh my god. Yeah, sure, so that's, that is UHF, the motion picture. A motion picture written and put together by a goddamn parody comedian. Uh, when you look at it that from that perspective, it's a miracle this movie is as as as, as unterrible as it is. I think mm. that's probably my my staunchest defense of the movie is like if someone were to describe it this movie to you, worse. it could have been worse. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, I, the unfortunate thing I kind of briefly touched upon this before, but the only real trivia I have this about this movie is. Um, uh, I guess Orion thought it was going to be better because I guess the test screenings for UHF were some of the best in Orion's history. Uh, I guess it tested even better than RoboCop. 
which for them they were like, oh my god, this may be the biggest comedy blockbuster in history. Um, I guess originally hmm. the original plans for UHF were to just give it like a m relatively modest theatrical release because they were like, it's a fucking Weird Al movie. We're not going to make a million bucks off of this. But I guess the test screenings were so well they decided to go wide, open it as many theaters as possible. That was a huge mistake because the movie bombed at the box office, uh, was left theaters in just less than two weeks, and uh, yeah, was largely responsible for the closure of the studio as a result. And so, yeah, that's yeah. the uh, legacy of UHF. Um, people who like UHF, you should check out. There's actually two great oral histories about the making of UHF on uh, thedissolve.com and then avclub.com did one too. But I think the Dissolve one is the most comprehensive. I remember that came out like five years ago, and that was really good. Mm. Uh, if you just want to see more about the history and the making of UHF, if you're into that kind of thing. Lots of people talking about uh, the the hijinks they got up to while filming in the middle of Oklahoma in the summer of 1988. I'm sure it was a very fun set with all the I'm sure. Well, that's one of the things everyone says. Like, the more fun your set is, the more boring your movie becomes because mm. everyone's having more fun ob behind the camera than they are in front of it. So, But UHF, like I said, maybe not the greatest movie of all time, but... It, oh, it that's been uh, it's not there's there's no maybe there. Yeah, it is, it's, it's better than it could have been, and like yeah, yeah uh, I'm still glad I just happened to see this on opening weekend on a lark, and it surprised me at how not terrible it was, and I still have fond memories of this movie just because yeah, it just made an impression on me at when I was a really impressionable age, and I think that's why this movie is popular with so many people because they saw it at a sleepover or whatever and stuff, but. Yeah, coming to see it for yeah. the first time as an adult, though, unless you're already, like, a super hardcore, like, mega fan of Weird Al, which at that point, why would you just be seeing UHF for the first time now anyway? Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, let's, uh, cut that's out of the way. <laughs> this is what we get for going back and revisiting things we've seen before, at least giving me the option to do that, so. Hey, oh there's worse things God. on your list. Yeah. Um, do you have any idea what you want to do next? Oh, no, I don't. I was presumably, because we've both done two things that we've seen before now, um, mm -hmm. presumably we're going to go back at least for the next two weeks of Pisa doing things that we have not seen before. So yeah, I, guess we I have had an stuff. idea, but it fell completely out of my head. Yeah. So I, I have some ideas drawn up, but I can't remember what's what. So I do have yeah. a little list of other things like UHF I want to talk about. Um... So we'll see. We'll get to that stuff eventually. But yeah, we'll get to all that stuff. <sighs> That's a podcast. We got all the time in the world. I'm trying to think if there's anything seasonally appropriate because we're getting into the end of summer now. Mm. And I guess there's not a ton of. We still got to start thinking about Halloween stuff if we want to do any Halloween stuff this year. Not that we have yeah. to, but it's always an option. Um, oh, God, we do because that's like less, less than two months away now. Shit. Yeah, I'm, yeah, there's plenty of shit. Um, so. but yeah, I'm surprised. Yeah, now we now both of us can go back to playing Dragon Quest Builders too. Mm-hmm. Gotta finish that shit. Yeah. How far are you into that game? Uh, I'm just about to leave the third island. Oh, okay, yeah, that, you're not too far behind me then. Um, yeah. but yeah, that's UHF. Thank you for anyone yep. who listened to us, especially if yep. you're a fan of UHF and or Weird Al. Thank you for listening to this far of the podcast us not being utterly glowing about the film. 
You know, and that's well. one of the things I like about our podcast, because if you're going to see anyone, like, a YouTube review about this movie, it's either going to be people just, like, jizzing all over UHF, or talking about how stupid it is. And I'm glad to see we're kind of, like, half and half, where you just didn't care much for it at all, and, like, I loved it as a kid, but I can totally understand why people wouldn't be into it now. So at least we could have, like, a ra like a reasonable talk about the film without, like, going too nuts in either direction. So, yeah. that's one of the things I think that's one of the best things about our podcast. Is yeah. not gonna go I, it's, it's, I, it's, I like that neither of us are upset at the other for not liking this movie or liking oh, this Oh, yeah, movie. no. If Why would you ever get upset at anyone else having an opinion about the UHF either way? Like, that's <laughs> like, why? It's not worth it. Of all the things to get upset about in the world these days, yes, an opinion about UHF should not be one of them. Anyway, so yeah, yeah I should let you finally anyway, wrap this up. He's, he's Mudder on Twitter. I'm the Grumpy Turtle on Twitter. Target Podcast on Twitter. TardyPodcast.com. Thanks for listening to this almost two hours of us prattling oh, on about It's longer than the film itself, which should be illegal. Mm-hmm. We could have just done the well, live to be fair, it's the first half an hour was you just talking about how much you love this movie. That's so. a good point. Yeah, it's actually a really good point. And not <laughs> no. even that, just talking about context. Like, dude, that was the summer of Batman and Star Trek mm -hmm. V and... Honey, I shrunk the kids. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's all good. It's all good. It's all good. It's all good. Also, so. you know what? This is the last classic word I remember saying before he got like his fucking like he's too much vegetarian and oh, cut his mustache and started growing his hair out. New Weird Al still freaks me out. I can. Well, only... that is one <sighs> one thing in the IMDb trivia that was one of the great pieces of trivia because IMDb it was said. The owl looks different on the DVD because he grew his hair out and shaved his mustache. Is time passed? Oh my god! How is there not like a website or anything or like a fucking oh, podcast sure dedicated is. solely to INDB trivia and goofs? I'm sure. Oh there my is. fucking! There has I do to love be. that's becoming one of our more favorite things. Is like, what's the stupidest IMDB trivia about this movie? That's some fucking mouth breather. Oh fucking. Yeah. In the movie, yep. he turns into a little-known fact that uh, Weird Al, he gets crushed by a, a boulder, and he turns into a hamburger. Because that's flat, mm -hmm. too. That that was not really Weird Al when he was that flat. Was public. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ. So next time, it's going to be something. I Did you know Weird before? Al can't actually oh. turn his head 360 degrees when being confronted by a boulder? Yeah. Oh, God. Anyway, yeah, we'll figure out something for next week. Yeah, next week is going to be something I've never seen before, so we're back on the normal thing. Yeah, back on this time it was UHF. Ew, we're going back to Tardy of the Party Classic, yeah. Triple mm -hmm. T to the P time. to the C. Ugh. Okay. So next time, you fill your holes with pop culture. Goodbye, everybody. Pack it tight, folks. We caught a ride back to Naboo Cause Queen Amadala wanted to I frankly okay. would have liked to stay We all fought in that epic war And it wasn't long at all before Little Hotshot flew his plane And saved the day And in the end some Gungans died Some ships blew up and some pilots fried a lot of folks were croaking The battle droids were broken And the Jedi I admire most Met up with Darth Maul and now he's toast well, I'm still here and he's 
a ghost, I guess I'll train this boy. And I was singing, my, my, this here Anakin guy. Maybe Vader someday later, now he's just a small fry. And he left his home and kissed his mommy goodbye, saying soon I'm gonna be a Jedi. Soon I'm gonna be a Jedi We were singing My, my, this here Anakin guy Maybe Vader someday later Now he's just a small fry And he left his home And kissed his mommy goodbye Saying soon I'm gonna be a Jedi